Last Friday, the club racing community suffered a tragic loss of an experienced and well-known competitor, Gary Arden. From everyone at Late Apex, we wish to convey our deepest condolences to all who knew Gary, his friends, his family, and everyone at North Gloucester Road Racing Club. Hello and welcome to episode eight of the Late Apex. Uh, joining me this week, we've got Tom and Jamie host, uh, helping me host it, and we're joined by Michael Howarth, uh, former BSB Cup race winner, TV presenter, team manager, club bike builder, and fucking pretty much every other job in between. Uh, how are we doing, boys? All right, thank yeah. you. Yeah, good, mate. Good. You're good. So, what do we all know? Well, uh, well, I'll make a start then, shall I? I know it's. Um... <laughs> Uh, in your brief that you said about um, this is to do with like the club racing and and we'll get on to what I've done and where I'm from and blah blah blah. But I don't think you can start any um, kind of conversation off this week this week in in bike racing without mentioning what the canal went on 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 Sunday and oh. how all the Karens have gone ballistic <laughs> at Marquez for the first time in that kid's career, as far as I can see and look back at that is. Caused an accident that he really didn't mean to. He really tried to avoid. It was the tiniest error that made a massive crash, and everyone's gone batshit. Yeah, um, I've, I mean, I've genuinely watched it back fifty times, and then someone put a slow mo video of it on the the internet last night. I think can I watch it again? And he doesn't do a lot wrong, and it's not Marquez as usual. Get out my way, clatter, bang, piss off, you know. And and, and he doesn't care. Even he, you could see in him. In him, at the end of the when they were doing the interviews, you could see how genuinely shocked he was. He, with the injuries he's had, he can't afford to to, to cause crashes like that anymore. No. But fucking hell, the world's gone mad, hasn't it? They're, yeah, oh yeah. Acting. Everyone's. Yeah, yeah. I, I genuinely feel a bit sorry for him this time, and I'm not a, a Marquez fan by any stretch. It amazed me how many people who race or at least ride on the circuit still jumped on that on the back of that like Karen's, forgetting completely that he's making decisions in millionths of a second. Yeah, yeah, that and, that that that's the game we're talking about here. It's, it's yeah, the way I mean, the race is designed, isn't it? It's a, it's a sprint race. Yes, yeah. it's a, it's a race purely designed for his riding style, and and that's what he does. He fucking fights his way through, and he he makes makes gaps that aren't there, and then yeah, some this one it didn't quite work, but I think it's exciting think, to see. I thought it was a brilliant race, to be honest. I, 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 I on, and you've got to remember, sorry, Jamie, um, that he's he's coming back. From injury, you know, the amount of races he sat out last season and the season before. And then he's already, he's back up at the front straight away. You know, he put in that incredible uh, pole time when he got a tour like he always does when he chucks his anchor out. So then you're racing against the absolute best in the world. And he's not, you know, everyone's saying, slagging the under off to death and stuff, but he's he's got to get up to speed and got to be able to race again. So that, I think that's part of the mistake. Yeah, yeah. Where it come from at weekend, that you're racing against the best in the world and he made a tiny error. Yeah. Now, Marquez three years ago, that error wouldn't have happened and he would have, you know, there wouldn't have been that crash. We know what Marquez is like when he gets angry and he, mm. and he pumps people off, but three years ago, that crash wouldn't have happened because he'd have been absolutely on the ball. His brain's up to speed. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. So he's he's got to get himself up to speed and I think he knows that and I think that's why he was so apologetic and kind of like, look, 
for once I've not been a, a dickhead, but it looks like I've been a dickhead. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I I feel for the kid. What What do you think? What do you think to uh, the retrospective action that the uh, the um, stewards are taking? Well, it's just one big clusterfuck, isn't it? Let's be honest. The oh. rules are the rules. The rules are the rules. They then changed the rules and said, oh, no, you're now going to have to serve it when you go to court. And then again, all the Karens had been on today going, yeah, it's because Honda have appealed it, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, but rightly so. Again, yeah. they can't just keep changing the rules as they see fit. Otherwise, the rule book doesn't mean it doesn't mean anything. So but- it, rightly, or I mean, personally... For uh, my point of view is yes, he should serve that double long lap at, at Cota. But if the rules are not the rules to do that, that you miss, you know, it's at the next given race, and if you miss it, then that you know the penalty is more than served because you're not getting points. Why either way? So why are they changing it um, or tried to change it to make him? Well, I think they did because of the uproar. Um, yeah, but no, that's that. That's not how it works. See, the the skeptic in me is thinking: Is there an Amazon TV camera crew following every, all these fuckers around behind the scenes? Are we going to have another MotoGP Unlimited by the end of this season? Well, hopefully it'll be better than the last one. Fucking hell. But it, it just feels like this drama's all been spun up. Yeah, yeah. They've done nothing to kind of help quench the hatred and, and, and all the aggro that, that, that Marquez has got. So you're probably right. You know, it, and it, at the end of the day, it does make for a good story because we're talking about it on a on a, on a a podcast that's about club racing. So it's yeah, it's yeah. had the desired effect whichever way, hasn't it? Yeah, 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 it's 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 sent everyone screaming off on the internet, and everything because it's beginning of the season and it's very dramatic. Everyone spent the winter wishing to for the sport to come back to watch it on the telly to to kind of be externally involved, if you will. Um, so it, it's a big thing, isn't it, for them? They have nothing to talk about a winter. Yeah, yeah. Um, sticking with uh, news headlines. There's a tendency, I think, for news to break on a Wednesday, which is fucking mega for us when we're recording this. But um, literally, while I've been sat um, having my tea and waiting for this, I've seen that uh, our Moy, the uh, chairman of AMRRC, William Moonis, on behalf of the directors of Armoy Motorcycle Road Racing Club, after a directors meeting earlier this week, the club can confirm that the race of legends Armoy Road Races will take place on Friday and Saturday, the 28th and 29th of July. Um, so they've carefully considered insurance costs and all that kind of stuff, and they're rolling the dice and they're going with it, which is freaking mega news. I know that the Northwest 200 kit were first to go, but I th- I'm hoping now that we see a domino more, effect. Yeah, a bit of a domino effect, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm, I hope they've not jumped in a little bit quickly with that, um, i.e. the Northwest and such, because they've got it's a businessman that's pretty much footing the bill for the insurance and for the, for the Irish road racing for the mm. season. Um. I don't want that to have a knock-on effect for, for club racing, uh, BSB, and, and racing as, as a whole, that insurance companies now think that, well, we can charge what we like now because it, yeah, it's yeah. going to get paid. I don't know if it's it, you know, it's it's a temporary fix that might cause long-term problems. I did want them to kind of fight it out a bit, but obviously time was against them, and if someone comes with the money, they, they're going to take it. But I just hope it doesn't have you know, bad effects yes. throughout, throughout racing and, and almost across the world because, you know, the insurance companies will pick up on it and go, well, you know, they find 400,000 quid, so BSB will have to find X amount and, you know, yeah. you know, limits will have to find X amount. So, yeah, I hope it's I hope it's not to the detriment of the sport that they've that they've managed to get going. It, it wouldn't just be the sport either. It, it Once a snowball gains momentum, it tends to just fucking carry on going, doesn't it? 
So yeah, exactly. it'd, it'd end up your track day enthusiasts, the track day costs would go up because circuits then have to pay more for their insurances. So yeah, it'd hit the industry all over. I yeah, I mean, since I've stopped doing track days, I think the insurance cost has actually gone down. I could be wrong, but when we was at when we, yeah, when we was at um, Snetterton, we were all given um, stickers that have to go on the bike to promote eBay. Slow, medium, and fast group that, Jamie. Yours will have been the slow. <laughs> <laughs> what did I tell you it'd be like when he was on? <laughs> so I'm, su- give- I'm surprised you haven't got your trophy from last weekend. Sat next to you, so you can just flash it every two minutes. It's been fuckle to him. <laughs> He'll find a way to take the piss all the way. Look, here we go. That's his porridge bowl. That's his porridge bowl. We were given these eBay stickers to stick on all, everyone's bike. And when I asked, you know, what it was for, I got told it was because eBay were covering the insurance. So that might be a sign of the way that things are going. I don't know. Well, is that with no limits, Jamie? Sorry. Yeah, just yeah. There. yeah. Yeah, yeah no limits. But, that, but again, you see, that's the problem, you know, that insurance companies are knowing who's paying the bill. eBay have got plenty of money. And what happens if that sponsor ever goes and we're struggling to find a sponsor to cover insurance? You know, it's it's another dynamic that racing will have to take up that it could bite us in the arse massively. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's the way that mainstream sports have gone in it, like football and rugby and all that kind of stuff. As soon as you start bringing in big corporate money, prices just escalate through the roof because, like you say, they've got a captive audience. Mm. Uh, yeah. So on the subject on the subject of uh, professional sports, you weren't a professional motorcycle racer to begin with, were you? No, no, I was not. I was. Um, I started life as a as a professional rugby league player, um, and. The best, the best kind of rugby. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Rugby unions just can kick chase. It doesn't even be classed as rugby. It's like posh man's football. They're a bunch of fannies and all. Um, I, as a teenager at high school, I, I kind of we we got almost um, dragged into rugby. It wasn't something we we played at school. And a guy came down from the local rugby club to referee one of our matches, and we played against this team. Sorby Bridge, and they'd never been beaten in school. And we'd not started this till we were 14. And by half time, we were getting leathered. And this guy, this referee, come over that we'd never met before. And he was like, Are you going to let these fuckers walk all over you? Are you going to go and fight? We're like, As if, why is the ref saying this to us? Because we didn't know who he was. Um, and he kind of gave us a bit of a pep talk. And we went out in the second half, and we ended up beating these lads and had such a fucking good scrap. It was mega. And that that was that. From then, we went and played adult rugby. Um, and I was doing that. And signed professional for Keithley Cougars and Oldham Bears. Larry Carter at BSB pisses himself at this and says it never happened because it's for the days before the internet. So it went in the local paper and that was it. But mm. but it all happened. Then I signed for Wigan, snapped my leg. Um, I needed something else to do. And I spent 12 months kind of partying and realised I needed to do something else. Um, and I bought, what did I buy? I bought an SP1 and did a track day and thought, what fastest man in the world. And that's where it all come from not realising that the people on track days were just taking their bikes with race fairs on it, weren't racers. So that's how it kind of all kicked off for me. How old were you at that point? Uh, I was, yes. Um, <laughs> not a clue, mate. Uh, I'm 45 now, and it was 2000 and... 
four, I think that started. Two thousand and three. Sorry. So whatever age that is. So when you say SP one, then you're talking the BTR. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah absolutely. Um, I bought it as a Cat D damaged bike and, and built it back up, and it was my absolute pride and joy. And I did this track day, like genuinely, at Cadwell Park, and I mullered everyone. I thought, you know, I am fast. So I sold it and bought a race bike, uh, an Aprilia, and I did two rounds that year in New Era. And I think I won a newcomer's race, but the actual first race I went in, I didn't just like finish last, I finished last, like by a mile. I didn't know what I was doing at all. I didn't know about slick tyres because I'd never used them. I didn't know what pressures to run, didn't have tyre warmers, didn't know how to set suspension up or anything. But I just kind of persevered with it a little bit. And in the winter, my pal had bought a Ducati, um, one of... Go on. Sorry, sorry, to, sorry to interrupt. When you say you persevered it, like, there'll be a lot of people listening to this who can't remember the days before the fucking internet. It's proper easy to find information now, but back then, how what, did you just do trial and error or did you find people that helped you? Well, so I'd done these couple of races and, and, and obviously if you're into bikes, you're always going to have a few friends that are also into bikes, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, you, you, yeah, that yeah. twat stood at a uh, bar in the pub that's like... Oh, I had once had a GS750 and I went 500 mile an hour and all them fucking pricks that bore me to death. Um, I've even taken to, to people that I don't know now, when they ask me what I do for a living, I say I put sugar on fruit pastels because it's the easiest way to get out of listening to some drivel or some tit that went on someone's CR80 back in 84. But, uh, but yeah, so um, my, that's what I, I got a couple of pals and they said they were going to do a full season at New Era and um, he was called Michael Pensavale. And his dad and his, his business partner bought him like two X Troy Bayless 996s. Like they were proper, proper in X factory Ducatis. So they said to me, buy yourself a Ducati and some of the parts are interchangeable. You know, we can, we can, we'll help you out for the season because I am, I'm peppered at this point. I have nothing. I'm just a kid that goes to work every day. And that's, that's really how it all kicked off. And we did 2004. And, and honestly, just on a wing and a prayer, I didn't have a fucking clue. Mark at All Beach Tires, who everyone, you guys probably know. Mm, yeah. Um, he took me under his wing a little bit and said, you know, pressures for this and pressures for that. And we'll spin this tire and we'll, you know, that one's got no life left in it. And um, he took you, if, if I won, if I won the newcomers race, it wasn't, it was, there was no prize as such, but Mark had took me a set of tires for, for, the, for the week after, for the race, you know, the race weekend the week after. So, but yeah, abs- absolutely went in as blind as you could. Um, like you say today, now you, you research it in, in whatever way you can, but I'm just, you no, know, I just thought I took the bull by the arms and then went for what I've got to lose. That's class. <laughs> so, so where, did, where did you go then after uh, after your rookie season? So I did. So throughout, throughout the, the new era season, I did, there was the club. And there was the Super Club Championship, so I did. I did the full season in club in, in the club championship, and did selected rounds of the Super Club, like at Alton and, and, and Cadwell. Um, now, bearing in mind, you know, everyone knows how temperamental Ducatis are, and especially of that age. This this nine nine six I had was a, a road bike turned into a race bike. Had an all injury shock on that was knackered. It didn't. The rebound didn't work on it. But I was also, I was winning races that were you're 14 seconds a lap slower than what you're doing at, at BSB. And mm. and back then, the gap was much diff- was much further. Now, yeah. I, think, I think club racing and and bikes have caught up that much that the the gap to the BSB guys is not just as great. But back then, it was quite a, a big gap. Um, 
but I didn't need any rebound because we weren't going fast enough. And we just, I just kept thinking throughout the season that these guys have been racing for years, people like Les Lindley and, and Lee Revley, and I was holding my own against them. And as soon as it rained in the pro bike races, because I used to do a few laps in those to get ready for the Sound of Thunder races, I'd be gone. No one could keep up with me in wet. So I thought, we're going to have to do, I can't just give this up now. And, I'm, and I, through the season, I'm learning stuff and, and you're getting bits of sponsors. But realistically, what I used to do was go to work. There'd be two races a month or two rems a month, should I say. You'd go to work for, for the month and get my wage and it'd all get spent on racing, like like every penny. Every yeah. penny had gone racing. Um, so we got to the end of all four and I was ready for thinking, right, well, I'll just, I'll, you know, I'll try and, whip my ass off through the winter and I'll buy a bit of bike and I'll I'll go to this super club at New Era and I'll try and win that championship. I'd finished third and thought I'll give it a real go next year. Um, and, and to be fair, finishing third in your first real season of racing in a championship is not bad. And I mean, the first couple of bikes were, were ex-factory bikes. Yeah. Um, and Lee Revley was a seasoned campaigner on his Aprilia, so he pushed me all season. Les Lindley could ride, you know, you've got... Um, God, Pete Baker, you know, Pete Baker, the, the club racing god. That you know, I, I don't I think he's 947 now, is he? Something. <laughs> um, you know, if you're beating Pete Baker in the wet, and especially back then, you know, this we were talking 20 years ago or whatever. Yeah. You know, you you were thinking, well, maybe I need to do something about this. So comes to the end of end of the season, and Pensavali and his dad did they did um a BSB rend, obviously, because his bike was basically BSB spec. And decided that's what they was going to do the year after. And bought, um, in, so this would be the beginning of all five, so they bought the new ZX-10 and turned theirs into a superbike. And they went, you might as well come to, to BSB and do Superstock. And back then, they had Superstock Cup for thousands and the Superstock Championship. So you had it like a newcomer Superstock. Yeah. And literally, again, I had, fuck all, I'd sold this to Katia, um, my stepfather... I think he bought me the Kawasaki. So I had the money from the Ducati to put into getting to building a race team for a season at BSB, at, at Superstock level. And I built the bike for about five grand. That's And that's with buying it as well. That's how cheap it was. Yeah. But a rear shock in it, uh, a white power rear shock. Carrad, Pensaval in it, and, and Michael give me a pair of forks that had already had internals put in. So they, they'd, I give them my standard forks and they give me a pair. Um, so that helped. Bought a pet, bought a set of wheels, and just took everything off and, and put race frames on, and that was real. Oh, and a, and, a, and a full system, and that was it. And that really was how Superstock was back then. Um, yeah. Steve Mercer did pretty much the same. He bought a scrap R1 at one time and, and did the same thing. So now, when you look at Superstock racing and how much it costs, it's a fucking joke. Yeah. Um, and I do, and I do feel for the guys. But if there's a thirty thirty grand bike there, there's an homologation special that you can race in Superstock. You you know they they're going to buy it, and that's how it works. So, so that season of BSB again was scrubbed, scraping around for tires, um, and wondering what you know what to do. But I, but I just for whatever reason, when I got into the BSB paddock, I worked everything out, and I started that right. And, and and got through the season and did I think I finished tenth in the championship. I nearly got a podium at Alton Park, but went nearly fell. I fell off. I didn't actually fall off. I was going into into lodge and it was wet, and somehow it, it kind of eyesided me. And my hand let go of the handlebars, and I managed to grab all of them back, all of them in the gravel trap and finish fifth. So, but for a first season, that that was good. I, I qualified well at Truxton and stuff. Was it with the it, with the control tires back then? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're on yeah. Metzler con- controlled tyres. Yeah, we, we, it was that. Um, and then at the end of 05, um, I got offered a test on a Malcolm Ashley ZX10 superbike. I said, do you want to do you want to have a go on it and for, for next year? And I'm like, fucking right, I did. Still completely blind, didn't have a clue what was going on. Um, went to Walton Park, rode round, went. I got within like half a second of Malcolm's time that year on, on, on the superbike. He was like, right, do you want to ride for me next year? Yes. So went um, to speak to Stuart Higgs, or Malcolm did, and he went, he's not a chance. The kids raced for two years. How are you going to put him on a superbike in the superbike class, the hardest domestic championship in the world, when he's done a season at club and a season in um, Superstock? So we went, then went to Areth in February. We had 10 days on tracking in Areth and we got a time to set. And if we made that, we were allowed to do it. Um, so, and I, and, I, and I walked it. So come back to England, did the first test at Snetterton that year. Um, the first official test like they're doing now. Did, uh, didn't manage a lap without falling off. I fell off at the chicane <laughs> on my outlap because the tight, because I'd never rode on slicks properly. So because yeah. I'd, I'd wobbled out. I wobbled around going, literally thinking, what the fuck am I doing here? I'm, <laughs> I'm really thinking I've balls up here. I'm like, I am so far out of my depth. This is stupid. Uh, yeah, and fell off. So they, but because it was a chicane, I got back on the bike, rode into the pits, Malk fixed it. Then went out and did another lap. I went to go for my fast lap and I come on back onto the start, finish straight, and Dean Thomas run up the back of me and snapped my leg. And that was the beginning of my BSB season, sitting the first two rounds out. Fucking hell. So it was it was a baptism of fire. Um just a bit. <laughs> I just think club racing back then, you could soak up a lot of information. And because it was still so um club orientated, I think I think no limits is it's quite a bit more serious. But I've been, I've also been out of the, the club racing paddock for quite a while. So everyone was open with a lot of information back then. Yeah. Like literally they would tell you exactly what to do. Now if it's like that, then cool, because that's what club racing should be like. If it's not, because I've, I've got to, I've got to try and come to quite a few meetings this year, because I'm going to give that Pelican top corner uh, a, a couple of quid to the sponsorship and a couple of others, and and I want to get back to loving loving racing again, because as good as BSB is, it can make you fall out of love with the sport. Um, yeah, I can, yeah, I can believe it. You know, it, because it, it becomes so hard. It's it's really hard. You've got to give your life to it. Um, you're never going to have any money unless you make it to to the top. And to be honest, said in, in in previous interviews, it was for me. It was never been and never to get to the top. It was to get there, and I got there. Yeah. Um, and behind the scenes, things happened that that weren't you know the best situations that that caused me to not be able to ride to to my full potential. But I've not I'm not bitter about it. And I, I, the fact is, I got there, and I've won races, and I've scored. I've scored points in 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 the BSB race, not just Super Superbike Cup. In the wet, I was absolutely mega again. I could really hold me on in that. So I've no I've no regrets yeah. in, in any way. But there were there were things behind the scenes that that caused me to to not be where I will always. I always thought I'd be a top 15, 20 rider, and I've managed that on a few occasions, but certainly not enough. So then you get the dickheads that are going, "Well, you're four seconds a lap slower than than Shaky Burn." Fucking tech being forced is a lap slower than shaky bird. Christ, you know, and but that then puts you at the back and, and you finish your last in, in a lot of races. And 
But it is what it is. I always said I would rather be at the back of a BSB race than winning at a club race because I felt wrong. Because it, at, at, back then, back then, if I would have stayed at club racing, I would have walked it for the next three years. Mm. Like really, if I'd have bought, you know, if I'd have stayed, if I'd have got that ZX10 and gone to club, I really would have been that quick. That it's, you know, I jumped on that ZX10 Superstocker and just flew. It, everything just clicked. So, and I didn't. I that wouldn't have been enjoyment for me. So yeah. that's why I went and took up the ultimate challenge. Now, maybe I could have gone about it a better way and, and took my time and maybe done a year at club, but it was just then things fell that Michael was going to super, super bike. So for me to go to super stock was easy because he's got a massive truck and a trailer. And again, because I'm on a similar bike, he's got spare parts if I fall off and fairings, et cetera. So, so yeah, like you say, a baptism of fire, but quite an enjoyable one. And and then it moves on to, to the other crazy shit I've done. yeah. I I remember, I think it was 2006-2007, I think. Uh, I remember seeing you racing with um, uh, who's the who's the lad that raced in Cup on the Kawasaki? Um, because you were on the Honda at that point, I think. Oh, the, yeah, I got I, I, Gary, I got Gary, old... Gary Gary Mason. Gary, Mason. Gary yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Gary was fucking, he he was quick. He could yeah. have been the superbike cup in. Or seven or no, or two must have been two thousand and eight. Fucking hell, he'd, he'd done a year in um, in America, and Ben Spees had paid, paid for his ride. I'm sure, he won't mind me saying that. Um, and he come back to England and, and just absolutely demolished everyone in the Superbike Cup. He was he was quick, you know. Um, in 06, with on on Malcolm's bike, that's where I got all my my trophies from at the Superbike. In 07, I didn't even make the first uh, the first race because. Um, the forks snapped on on the bike that were brand new FGR seven hundred on uh, Orleans. They got they got recalled worldwide because of that crash. I'd literally we'd done no laps on them. <clears throat> we'd been testing in Spain, but I was actually I was concentrating on my second bike because I kept I couldn't get a feeling for these new forks. And back then you were allowed two bikes anyway. Um, yeah. I think I, I told the story again on another podcast that we we nicked that team. We bought everything apart from the truck, a forty grand. And I mean everything, wheels, tools, every everything you need for a for a superbike team for 40 grand plus the two bikes. Wow. One bike came with that set of forks. It was J JHL, I think it was. Danny Buck, uh, not Danny Buckin. Danny Beaumont rode from Steve Plater rode from. And I went faster than Steve Plater did in, in Almeria on it. And these new forks have come out, and I just I couldn't get settled with them at all. And then Sunday morning warm-up. At Brands Arch after the, the the first race weekend, it was Steve Plater on one side and Shaky on the other, and we got to to the back straight Brands Arch back straight, and I just looked at them both and given both the V's and, and pissed off because it's the outlap of, of Sunday morning warm up. Got to Hawthorns and put the brake on, and my, my front wheel just fucked off to Kaylee. I remember seeing that and thinking, "Fuck! Oh fuck! Fuck! Fuck!" And then get bouncing through the Kaylee. I heard my leg snap, and then I come to an halt, and me my foot was by my face. And I thought my leg had been ripped off. So I miss I ended up missing that season then. But I could have I could have raced then six weeks later, but I just weren't allowed. And we'd signed Tristan Palmer who was doing too well. Again, that's you know, in, in jumping right forward to, to go back in 2016 when I had my biggie at, at Alton Park, I'd brought me back and snapped me at bone off my leg and snapped my shoulder. And I raced six weeks after like a prick. What oh, wow. sort of dickhead does that? Like honestly, looking back now, I'm like I know I know a guy. 
Oh dear. <laughs> yeah, feel free to jump in at any time, guys. I feel like I'm just chilling on here. No, no, it's um, good. Don't worry. You keep going. Yeah, so, um, yeah, then we... I take it you private private medical to be able to do that. Because there's, no, there's no way the NHS got you back on a bike in six weeks with all those injuries. No, NHS. Was uh, it? Uh, Fucking NHS. hell. So, um... Again, I don't, I, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn, but my me, me phone might set on fire on Friday and I'll be getting bollockings left, right, and centre. So the, the medical staff at BSB, one are second to none. There's yeah, no yeah. two ways about it. They are incredible people. Um, and believe it or not, I'm quite friendly with most of them, but that's what happens when you spend a lot of time with people. Um, so if you damage yourself, as, as, I, as I've done, um, like one, for, for an instance, in, in 07 when I'd snapped me, my leg, the um oh no, sorry, in two thousand and six, sorry, um, when I had the crash at the first test and I broke me my tailor's bone in my left ankle. Well, I went to Norwich Hospital, um, they put a pot on, I come back to the pits, I cut the pot off and, and rode again the day after. And then went to the, Toby Bramfoot, he was called at the time, was was the chief medical doctor, and he was worked at Jimmy's at Leeds. So he said, Come and see me on Monday and we'll we'll see if we can get you in. And then I got there on Monday and this this ankle was a right state. But what he what he did, he said, if you're going to operate on your ankle, you were waiting for arm pump surgery, weren't you? So do you want me to do that at the same time? So because if you can get the doctors from BSB to then perform your operations, they do they bump you right up the list. And it's yeah. I do feel genuinely bad for somebody that got their operation cancelled or delayed for, for that day. But if you can get it done, you'll take it. Exactly. Yeah, it's a horrible yeah, thing. Yeah. It's a it's a horrible human trait that sometimes you will you know you'll you'll take it and ball to everyone else. So, yeah, if you, if you have a, a severe injury at BSB, you get looked after really really well, and they will try and help you find the right doctor. Um, you know, like Uchi Uchi's doctor that that's put him back together got so many times. You know, yeah. they, they can find you the specialists in certain fields, and then them specialists always seem to be able to help you. Um, yeah, and, and get you sorted a lot quicker. Yeah, it's. We've we've been chatting in previous podcasts about me getting back to racing after my accident last year, um, and in the back of my mind, I'm thinking it'd be fucking stupid of me to start racing again unless I can afford private medical insurance. I yeah, need I, mean, I need to be paying for that. I need to learn from the mistakes that I've made this past year. Yeah, I mean, um, back in my rugby days, um, this used to be the you've got to call it a scam because it basically is. Um, I did my, my right shoulder. I dislocated it. Rode into the back of the park car on my push bike because we're looking behind me because I'm a knob. Um, and it wouldn't stop dislocating. Who was so, she? Who was she? Is either that or he was showing <laughs> off to his <laughs> Yeah, who were, who, were looking, who were you looking back at? Yeah, well, it certainly weren't a girl as my missus is in the front room next to us, lads. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, so it, it wouldn't stop dislocating and... A fellow professional uh, rugby player said to me, said, right, he said, this is what you do. You go to Booper at Elland in, in Brighouse, near where I'm from. He says, you go and see the private do the doctor privately. And back then it was 50 quid to get a consultation at Booper, right? So then you go and see him and he'd have a look at your shoulder and go, yeah, that's fucked. It needs operating on. Um, do you want to go private or do you want to go on the NHS? You then said you wanted to go on the NHS and he'd go, all right. I can do you in two weeks. Is that all right? So instead of paying to have it done privately, which would have been three or four days away, you'd get bumped again up the list. And within two weeks, you'd have the operation anyway, or 50 quid. 
Now, if that's still a thing or not, I don't know. Um, yeah. but, but it certainly was then, and and got my shoulder fixed. And coincidentally, then I come round from my operation, and I was laid across from my old headmaster from 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 junior school. And he was one of the, you know, it's always that story where people go, you know, when they've made it or they've done well for themselves, like that. You'll never make anything in your life. You're fucking useless. And at school, I was fucking useless. And yeah. we still got the cane back then. He tanned my ass so many times. It was ridiculous. And he's like, oh, what are you doing here? And then I said, oh, well, yeah, I'm playing out. You know, just a cocky twat. I was horrible. But I just, <laughs> was, you know, you were that horrible to me. And I've had that many lashes. You can have a bit back, pal. <laughs> yeah, fair one. You, you, you said it. A bit ago about um, the the gap between BSB and club race, the like front end of club racing, getting smaller and smaller every year. What do you think it is that's causing that? Well, I think I think machinery's come on a long way. Um, so I, th- I think that helps your, your club racers out much better, even though it's become fantastically expensive. You know, mm. what I mean. I bet there's guys at club racing now that are spending budgets that superbike teams back in 06 and 07 probably spending about the same amount of money for, for yeah. a season. Um, you know, excluding maybe the price of the superbike at the time, but at the actual cost for the for the what's it. But um I think you've you know, you've got people like Crowey, who's now you've got to call Crowey a TT star, basically, haven't you? You know, and he he's not really he does an odd BSB round, but he's not asked about it. And so he's, you know, and Crowey can can handle his own. You've got people like Bob Collins going to to what's it? He's an ex superbike, uh, super stock cup champion, etc. etc. So I think the, but they're all they, they are still getting pushed. I think the level's just been raised because of the, the technology with the bikes and and, and tires because we're all up essentially on the same tires now. I mean yeah. the tire wars back in all six and all seven in BSB was ridiculous. Um, like genuinely in in all seven. At the beginning of the season, we did the test at Snetterton uh, on my Honda, and it was pissing down with rain. And it's I've got the timesheets, and I can keep them forever because I am number one on a superbike timesheet. I'm in front of Key and Ari, Hickey, um, Simon Andrews, like loads of riders. Hickey, yeah, Hickey, I said. Um, so, but I was the only one that was going down, doing lots and lots of laps on the Saturday in the wet. Um, yeah. And that's not to say that Keo and that lot weren't, they were putting in as many laps as me, but I was still too quick <laughs> for once. I did destroy a bike, but that's another story. Uh, or the story of my life, should I say. Um, and on the Sunday, as a reward, because it was dry, Dunlop come down to me and they gave me a rear tyre. And they went, this is like it. They, they, that's what they said. It's a reward for all the work you've done because they were using my, all my data to, to take back for these wet tyres that we've been on. Give me this tyre. Sweat. Never been round Snetterton as fast in the drive. Never to this day, and probably never will. But this tyre, for me personally, was worth about three seconds a lap. Okay. And out. to the front and to the front guys, it was worth about a second. Now, people like Levere had these week in week out, and it's this is why we ended up going to a, a controlled tyre because at the time Glenn Richards was on the Hydrex Honda, I believe. And, yeah. pl- and Steve Plater as well. And they give Steve Plater one at the end of the year, and he walked, he, he pissed off in the distance at Brands Action, won the race, I'm pretty sure. And it was but, just getting that, the, it was getting that, the, the gap was becoming so distant just because of tyres in Superbike that something had to be done. And that's why, that's when they went to a controlled tyre in, in, in 2008. So now everybody's on the same rubber from rubber, sorry, from club to, to BSB. I think that's helped bring the gap down. Yeah. You can only go so fast on these tyres. You know, you're going to get 
the BSB lads finding a better sell, but they've got a data man that's that's trolling through everything. So they're going to go, you know, they're going to find 0.3.4 every year at, at least. But I think that's I think that's been one of the the biggest catalysts for for club racing to get us to get closer to to BSB. Yeah. So I, last year when I was racing at Cadwell, I, I was chatting to Tom afterwards. I was pretty pissed off on her. I, I'd gone there with an expectation, didn't meet that expectation. And uh, Tom's like, look, Rich, just fucking chill out. He's like, you're on a 2008 bike. He's like, look at the times from 2008. You're not a million miles away. He's like, a few years ago as well, people would have been winning races with that lap time. And it is the tyre technology has just got fucking mental. Um, I think a superstock bike now as well is a superstock bike is now closer to a super bike, isn't it? It's not far off. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, and, and obviously you've got you can keep all the electronics on the the superstock bikes now, even though they yeah. go into a more controlled ECU thing, I, I believe this year. But you know, these these super bikes, when you put that sort of power that they've got through them to then control it without any sort of traction control, people amount of people that go, well, you've got no electronics on. The fucking thing won't start if it didn't have electronics on. Don't believe the hype. They do. We don't have traction control, and they don't have anti wheelie, etc. But you know, these things can still be. You can still add and add and remove power in certain gears, etc. Yeah. It's not not per corner, but it's through certain gears. So if you think you know at Alton Park, there's certain parts of track where you're only in third, and you want to reduce that power, it can be done. So, um, so yeah, that that again, that also helps the club racers because they're running with more technology than, than the guys on a on a superbike. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then the guys at superbike have got the, the team behind them. So yeah, take to it's a shame. In, in some respects, that tyre technology has, has almost stalled. It's just everyone's on the same thing. Now, jumping back to MotoGP, I think when we saw that sprint race at weekend, that's what, to me, personally, MotoGP should be every weekend without the sprint race. But Mitchell and the making tyres that don't, I don't want a 30-lap race to be a fucking to be an endurance race, mate. I want that tyre to be as good for lap one as it is at lap 30, Neela, and let them, let them charge it. This Having to conserve your tyre for 10 laps or, you know, you've got to wait to the last couple of laps then and then go for it. We've seen in BSB, and, and I'm, I'm not sure at the club racing, but maybe because the tyres are a bit hard there, but BSB, Thruxton, again, Thruxton's now become a procession. And then someone goes for it on the last lap because the tyres uh, are not keeping up with the, with with the power of the bikes anymore. And I think that the tyre companies have an obligation, quite honestly, pull the fingers out and make tyres that can cope with these bikes across the board because it's yeah. not going to be a one tyre mate championship. But I don't want to watch MotoGP be a procession for twenty fucking laps. So I think Thruxton last year was the, the best BSB race of the year. But like you say, it was the it was the last third of the race. Yeah, I mean, you look back at, at Thruxton years gone by when when the tires the, there was the big tire war between Mitchell and Dunlop, and it was it was thirty laps of that. You know, mm. just people just you know you weren't sitting behind someone and controlling a pace and and, and slowing it down. They were fucking hammer and tongue, right? you know, they were going at it. Yeah. So yeah, Thruxton may well have been one of the best races last year, but it it wasn't actually. It was one of the best couple of laps of last season. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It was still fucking epic, though. <laughs> have you ever the, rode there? No. No. Oh, you've, you've got to have a you've got to have a national license, haven't you? Have you? Yeah, clubs don't yeah. race there, and they don't do track days oh. there either. Oh, I, I thought they did. They used to do. Is it North Gloss that used to do races there? I'm not they sure. Did, they had one. They had one club race a season there. I'm sure they did. Um, it, it was. Yeah, it was in Jay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Is it because yeah. it's a it's it's a too fast? They deem it to be a too fast track for club level riders. Is that what it is? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. But it it wouldn't surprise me. It is a it's you like favorite track in the country, Cadwell for me. Then Alton because it's challenging. But then Thruxton is probably on a par with Cadwell, and it, it's just that sheer speed that you can pull in that place. Oh fuck me! It's you know. That, like you guys, like when when you're racing bikes, if you ride a bike on the road and you go in a straight line, or, or or even on some tracks that are fairly flat, the going in a straight line is boring. We go yeah. racing to go around corners and break hard and, and turn and, and get yeah. on your way like. But Thruxton, you are you going in a straight line, kind of, but it's all on the side of the tire. You know, you've got church, and then you've the, the long left hander, and just it just beggars belief. I yeah. went past, in 2016, I went past Luke, I come out of church, Luke Mossy passed me on the exit of church because I was shit, because I'm funny. Um, but the bike I was on, the BMW, was an ex-Kio uh, BM. And I drafted him, dem, dem the what's it, dem the, the, the straight to the to the chicane. I mean, it's it's not a straight, it's, it's a long left-hander. But, yeah, yeah. And I just, I'm in my helmet, screaming my balls off, laughing me fucking head. It was just like, oh my God, this is what this track's about. And, there's that many different lines that you you can have yourself on. I did, I did really well there in the Superstock Cup um, years ago, and then struggled a little bit. I did actually. I, in a way, in session one, I was faster than Tristan, my teammate on the tenner for Menondo, because it was wet. And then session two was wet, and I got that cocky. My times were that good. I tried to follow Shaky Burn, and I didn't manage to finish that lap. Try, <laughs> try, tried being the operative word. I, listen, I, until I until I eyesighted it and sent myself to the moon, I was on his ass. Um, I'd gone down pit lane and, and he pulled out. He was on the uh, one of Birdie's Ducatis, uh, and he looked back at me and he just kind of kind of winked and gave me this pull on, like, "Come on," because um, he must have seen my times for, from that day and thinking, "Fuck yeah, he's flying, he's doing all right. Yeah, we'll, we'll pull him on a bit." Well, he didn't pull me on a bit. He threw me off a bit. Um, that was another yeah. one where I went straight to Med Center when there was nothing wrong, so I could avoid the team for a bit. It's it, it's <laughs> it's Shaky Burns' fault that I started racing. Is it? Yeah, he really. So I, I was a fucking massive fan of BSB. Always wanted yeah. to race, um, and it was all through Shaky Burns' career. And then uh, during lockdown, he released that book, didn't he? Un- Unbreakable. Yeah. Um, I read that during lockdown, and uh, I'd left the army. Um, my pension dropped in. I was uh, I'm reading his book, and I put something on Twitter, and Shaky responded to me, and he was like, "Look, Rich, just go and fucking do it." So I did. And then last year at, uh, at BSB testing, when they were at, um, in fact, no, it was round one when they were at Silverstone, I caught up with him. And it's the first time I'd ever met him. And I just said, look, I've got to shake your hand because I wouldn't have done this if you, if you hadn't re- responded to me. Bloke's a fucking legend. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he's, 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 a, he's, a, he's a good friend of mine. And he, he even in the paddock now, he, he has a lot of time for me. I once... He would croft. He give me he give me a pair of gloves because I'd run out of gloves for the weekend and that. But he, he he refers to me as Northern. Like that's my nickname for him. All right, Northern. And I call him <laughs> Southern. Um, but yeah, what a, he's a very approachable guy. Um, yeah. I'm very. I mean, I'm, I suppose I see all the races from there as as very normal and, and no different to to club races because I've raced with them all. So you 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 know I'm fr- I'm friends with most of them. I don't. I wouldn't say I, I know a racer that's up his own arse. Uh, everyone's well, grounded. Maybe as much as me, not as much as me, for sure. Um, but, <laughs> uh, or, or Jamie, or Jamie. Uh, every, everyone's grounded, aren't they? Now. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think <laughs> so. I think there's, there is a, you'll find that the racers, 
have, a, have an absolute mutual respect for one another from, from club racing to the top. What you, But then the fans at club racing have a, have a lot of respect for the for the riders. And then you've got the race, the fans that go to MotoGP and, and BSB that some of them are just these Karen bitches. Oh. They're so obsessed with that one rider. So opinionated, that, there's, a, yeah. there's a lot of football men. Foot, I call it football it's mentality. It's coming into it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 yeah, it drives me up the fucking wall, which is why I get so much aggro on Facebook because I can't keep my fat northern mouth shut. Because no, I always can't. have to intervene and say something, you know, fuck. But but why not? It's, why it's not? Something, it's something. Let's speculate a little bit because I I can't remember it being like this like ten years ago. Do you think it's because people aren't racing sports bikes anymore? They're all buying these fucking German tractor pieces of shit, so they um, they can't relate to the speed anymore. I mean, it, it, is it that, or is it because racing is is literally becoming a bit of a victim of its own success? that it had to bring the younger element in. And, you know, the, the footfall for, for BSB was was peaking. Um, I think it peaked again last year. But I just think we're, we're attracting more people, which is great. Yeah. But then, then comes the opinion. And then you've got social media that gives everyone that platform to sit yeah. there and go, well, I think that Wilkie Marcus, mate, you haven't got a fucking clue. But yeah. they think they have. And they will argue till the cows come home. And it doesn't matter what... And, it's always the worst thing that if I, that there's road racing in the new millennium in, in America and can't argue with an American. They are, they are right. No matter what, if you know, they will argue that black is white if they believe that. And it's, it's horrible to keep going down that route of going, listen, dude, I've raced at, at the highest level with the best riders that have raced in MotoGP. So I'm fucking telling you it's this and they don't give a shit. Yeah. They, absolutely. That's that you know whatever they whatever they believe at that time to be right is true, and you can tell them, you know. It's somewhat they were on it about it the the other day about the differences between riding with traction control and, and without, and they'd say how easy it is to ride with traction control, but it isesn't. No. At that level, I can assure you, I've do, I've, I've done it with on both bikes. The Honda in 08 had Magneti Morelli um, traction control from Paul Bird's 2007 bikes at Shaky Road, and. It's no easier. In fact, it's harder sometimes because you're having to fanny around with programs and stuff. And if that the connection, the throttle connection isn't right, it'll send you to the moon. Yeah. But you're going in and giving a data guy the information, and he's then got to decipher what you actually want. Now, then, when you put it back into the, the hand of the riders, like they did in 2010 when I rode for, for Dave Tyson and the Magic Bullet Suzuki team, it's not it's not harder, it's just very different. And in some respects, for the, that and that's why BSB went down this route for teams with lesser budget. It's actually easier to ride with no traction. Yeah. So, I, but then, I, and then you get the ones that go. But these five hundred cc riders back in the day were fucking balls, and the, no one's a man now because they've got they just don't get it. No. They absolutely don't have a fucking clue. So I've, I've never I've never raced a bike that's got traction control on it. But how many bones have you brought? Uh, five vertebrae. Uh, collarbone into four pieces, three ribs, shoulder, uh, what else? Dislocated kneecap, broke my wrist, scaphoid still in two bits. Yeah, I've done a bit of damage, like. All right, all right, calm down. I'm <laughs> a bit fucking rough. <laughs> but again, if anyone says to you that if you never had a bike with traction control, that oh, would save you. It, no, it, it does. No. In fact, in a lot of cases, it can make the accident worse. Because I, I, when that let go, they fucking let go, you yeah, know what I mean? I, I think I'd have lent on the traction control and stuff like that until the traction control went fucking game over. But 
you're going that little bit faster um, and it would have probably gone with a lot more veracity. I I don't know. I'm I'm speculating. That's just what I think from what I understand about traction control works. Yeah, it's not easy to lean on traction. Everyone says about traction, it's not an anti-crash device, is it? No, no. And yeah, that took a lot for me to get used to. I mean, I'm still a shit thousand cc rider, but yeah, they were telling me lean on the traction, lean on the traction, lean on it. I'm like, fucking hell! It, it takes a lot to trust traction control to do that, and that, that's just with stock electronics. But yeah, I can see what you're saying. Now, I bet that's an absolute nightmare trying to tell the tell the data guy one thing and then getting it to actually do that, and then having but, faith that that data guy's done his job. You know. But then that'll be that'll be why as well. You got. You got the likes of Sykesy last year coming back from World Superbikes into the BSB paddock, going from full electrics to having the BSB bike, and everyone's oh fucking Sykesy's past it. He's fucking dog shit. Sykesy ain't past it. He ain't dog shit. He's just got to get used to a completely different way of riding again. Absolutely, like Sykesy before he went to World Superbikes, all the bikes, all the bikes he rode in BSB, um, the the Birdie bike and the Crescent Suzuki at the time, the Rizal Suzuki. All had traction control. Mm. So Sykes has not rode a thousand cc bike ever until last season without traction control. Now, back in all six, we didn't have traction control. It was just coming into the sport, but obviously because I was in a privateer team, we didn't have it. And it's just it's just a very different way of riding. You go hard yeah. into the corner, you stop, you turn, and you fire. And with traction control, you you tend to run a little bit more corner speed and you're on the gas a little bit earlier. But it's there as much. To help you conserve tyres and, and and other such things, it is not a rider aid that just makes anybody fast. It's it's just simply not like that. And the guys that come on these forums on on Facebook and all that 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 think it is, they just haven't got a clue. And it's so you look, you speak to any racer of, of any capacity that's raced in the last five or ten years at club level, all the way up to to BSB, they will tell you it ain't easier. It's just different. Yeah. yeah. Mm. What yeah. do you think, Jamie? Yeah, I think you're right. Very quiet. You're being very quiet tonight. I'm like, uh, yeah, I, he, always, I, he always is and still starts asking questions about porn. I like, <laughs> I like to, I like to absorb like a sponge. So everything you're saying, I'm kind of trying to pick up, and I'm, I'm picturing it in my head uh, as, as we go. And to be fair, as, as, as a, as a guest, you're doing really well. So we just, I'm just happy to leave you. I'm pretty sure these boys are as well. I'll get boring shortly. I'm on can number three now, you know. <laughs> just feel it's like the late apex show all about me <laughs> I, I i i know exactly what you're talking about i mean um we've we've been social media friends now for for quite some time and i've seen a lot of social media friends yeah social media friends i met him at brand's Hatch for the first time in person i sold him a, a chest protector and it was literally like there you are you dick fuck off and he went cheers mate fuck off and he's just with his son i think you were expecting some long conversation and i just thought i'll treat him exactly as anyone facebook you know what i mean and i really wanted to spend some time with him but i just got it in my head like i'm just going to be the prick that he thinks i am on facebook <laughs> and then he got lost on the way home <laughs> Go on, Jamie. Sorry. Yeah, you see, you see it, you see it all. Um, um, people having their opinion on Facebook, and you can see where you're trying to make a very valid point, N not an argument. Just, just, just saying to someone, "Well, I, I get what you're saying, but you, you need to consider this," and they just start arguing back. Yeah, and I, I've seen it, and. <laughs> Already... I mean, I am, I am opinionated, and but, you're, but, but you're, I, I also but you're don't, I don't mind someone else having having a, a, their opinion of, of of anything, as long as they can back it up. Yeah, and if 
they're just talking utter drivel because I've seen this on TV or somebody else has said that. But but do you actually know? Like going back to the Marquez thing from weekend, mm. that many plant pots that have never rode a race in their life are dictating to everyone and saying he should be banned for this. And I've watched Marquez fall off in the past and gone, fuck, what a knob. That is yeah. a pure dickhead move. The Argentina one where he took Rossi and, and half the field yeah. coming back. Dickhead moves. Every single one of them was a dickhead move. But last weekend wasn't. Yeah. But instead of people haven't took it at face value and looked at it and gone, right, well, this is the situation and this is what happened and that, and, and I don't believe that it, this this time it was. It's just he's guilty by association of all his previous crashes. Yeah. So then when you tried to, to give a, a valid opinion from a racist point of view, now, there's so many thousand racers that are so much better than me. Um, and I think nearly all of their opinions that, that I've seen are pretty much the same as mine. So I'm not professing to be some sort of racing god. You know, I got to where I wanted to be and I, I'm very happy with that. But it's these people that just will not listen. They will not take the you will not listen to your side of the argument and go, listen, for once, this is not his fault. And this is the reason why. They just go, No, he always does it. He always does it, doesn't he? Margaret, Margaret, put kettle on. He should be banned. He should be fucking banned. It's like but see it for what it is. To be Every f- single crash is an individual crash, like it or not. Yeah. To be fair, though, Mark, Mark Marquez could house the entire population of the world's homeless people into the diehard Rossi fans. He'd still be a twat. They yeah. just, they just, what they will not see any good in him. No, I mean, I'm, I'm the first to admit that I'm a racing fan for, th- through all classes, and that really is. I wasn't. I wasn't really going to do any any podcast this year. Um, oh, I feel privileged. Well, yeah. no, genuinely. But, but when you asked, I thought, I thought, well, <laughs> I'm also trying to get back to the grassroots of racing for my own pleasure to go and watch yeah. racing. Um, that no other reason. Um, yes, I have got a business started, but genuinely, I was like, I'm not going to bother this year because I've done the one that I really wanted to do um, with, with Dom and Chrissy, um, and I've done plenty with Dave Neal, and I just thought I'm. I actually wanted a year to myself to find racing again. But then yeah. when you asked, I can't really turn this opportunity opportunity to them so I can vent vent everything for, for one last time. And and that's what I when I'm arguing, Jamie, when I'm arguing with these people on Facebook, I have to remember. I, don't, I wouldn't say I, you're arguing. I get, I well, well, well I'm trying to, try to explain. I think, to I think they try to argue because you know. Yeah. And 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 you give a balanced and measured response. Yes, I I, I was reading all your replies at the weekend and liking half of them. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I'm I'm not getting involved in this. I'm just going to sit and watch. And the more people bit, the more I knew you were going to chuck it back. I can't I can't can't argue for love nor money. Like if someone if if I was if I was to have an argument with someone, I'd just hit them because I I don't have any other way. I don't have any. I don't have any other way to go. I can't argue. Yeah. I, I don't know what to say. I'd make myself a complete cock. But when, when I see, if if I talk to people and I have a similar a similar conversation, I always say, "I know a guy, Michael Howarth. Swear to God, he's the best person arguing in the fucking world." Uh, because you are, I see it all the time, and I'll put, I'll put a little comment on just like to reel you in a little bit, or to to to, to you know to pull you out of the pond a little bit. Uh, just because I, I want to inflate that even more, and I want you to go a bit further. <laughs> <Brilliant>. <laughs> I, 
<laughs> and and the, the best thing is, or not the best thing, but one of the things is, if I end up being wrong in an argument, I'll always be the first one to hold my hands up and apologise. Well, I've not yeah. seen it yet. Well, I think on that road racing in the new millennium thing on, on Facebook, I think I've apologised on there once because I, I got something wrong. But I, like I say, I'm, I'm lucky enough because of what I've done within within racing to be invited onto things like this, onto podcasts. Um, so I get to put my point of view across a lot more than than, than the layman that, that doesn't. So I, I I try to take that into consideration sometimes when I start arguing with these these idiots. But they, you'll get six or seven messages down, and you just don't think you fucking you honestly mate have got no idea. I once got to a, a guy on something, and we were on about racing, and he was like, "Oh well, you clearly got a fucking you know you've had the silver spoon in your mouth to to be able to do what you've done." And I'm like. Mate, I left school at 14 when my dad died. I have worked for every fucking penny of racing that I've ever done. Do you know what I mean? And then I got a private a private message of an apology, not a public one. You know, and but if I'm wrong, I will I will always admit that I'm wrong. Yeah. But trouble is, I'm not that often wrong, and that's not being cocky. I I think that you've seen you sat back and watched what I said at the weekend. I try to give a valid, you know, a response, and I, I take into consideration what they're saying. But if I if I have to tell them that they're wrong, I'll I'll say no. Listen, you're wrong because from what I've mm-hmm. seen, this is what happened. Yeah, you know what I mean. And then, and even more so again at the weekend when I seen the slow mo- motion footage, you can physically see it how hard Marcus is trying not to crash. Yeah. Not he's just absolutely trying everything he's got, and it is an automatic response. Your front, your front wheel locks up. You've been, you've clattered someone. You try to let the front brake off, and you go through. Yeah. And if Miguel, like I said before, if Miguel was six foot six feet further up the road, he'd have gone straight on, ruined his own race, job done. Yeah. He's got to be. He's but these claims don't see that. Yeah. He's got to be trying that much, that much more. He's he's on the Honda against these, you know, massively overpowered Ducatis. He's, he's got to be forcing himself into, yeah, but, but into again, these like situations, like isn't he? Yeah, but again, like we've touched on before, Jamie, it's, it's as much his race craft at the minute. Remember, yeah. that's the first race that that kid's been in for, for yeah. God knows how long properly, and it was a sprint race, and we all knew it was going to be hectic. Mm. Yeah. Uh, sorry, no, it wasn't. It, it was on the Sunday. Sorry, it yeah, gone yeah, from, yeah, on the Sunday. Yeah, he'd gone from the sprint still. race, and I think he was expecting the start of the main race to be quite similar. And it, and it wasn't. You know, if you look back on the laps before, it was Marquez. He got out of control on side and someone hit him. You know, he didn't run into anybody. Marquez got, got hit. At the, on, on the start, he moved across, but you're perfectly within your rights. So he didn't actually hit anyone, and you can see him trying to avoid that. So, um, yeah, I just I think he should have been, been cut a bit of slack. So, yeah. so I tried telling people, but... And then, but then I'm also, I do wish I was more like Jamie and stuff, the way I could just wind other people up and keep myself, keep my mouth shut, but I can't. I try so hard to shut up and I fucking can't. It's an entertainment in itself, mate. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So it, I, I, I don't know if you're on Twitter, um, but I saw quite a lot of shit on there that was, um, it was fueled by people with media passes in the MotoGP paddock. I know exactly what you're on about. They, they I, know, look, I know exactly you're on about. Yeah, they, this, this guy, this guy, every single round, he he might as well be putting pitchforks in people's hands. The bloke is an absolute twat, mm. uh, which is why everybody blocks him. And you know what? I saw this said kid last year, and I spoke to him, and I, and I was dead polite and nice because I've always had a bit of time for him because as a person, he's not so bad. Mm. And I don't, I don't do Twitter, 
very much. I, I've, I've got an account and I go on. I'd never ever post on there because that, it, I, as far as I'm concerned, it's with social media, that's the, just the vilest of the vile. Yeah, that's yeah. where the trolls are. That's where the people will just fucking rip you to bits when they've got no idea. And like you said, he, he fueled that fire so much. And, the, uh, you know, even during this week, the shit he's... And I'm like, fucking hell, mate. I've kind of thought you were all right, but I'm and like you said, he, he gets blocked. He blo- if you if you argue with him, he blocks you. Yeah, so you can't even have a valid argument with him because if he deems, you know, at least I'll never block someone if 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 we're in the middle of an argument and I'm wrong. Um, and it do you do, do you say it like this? It feels like he's got well above his station, and 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 sorry, I don't know who the fuck he thinks he is. I I, I just think half of it's clickbait. He's, yeah. he's he's doing it to get a reaction. Yeah. But if you're if you're trying to provoke a reaction in that way, then surely you stand your ground and and, and fight it and say you know you don't just start. But he does, doesn't it? That's yeah. you've seen it a million times. He will then just block someone. Yeah, yeah. you know. So in my eyes, like, he, he, he's a funny, but I know he's no, I know he's exactly, just a sore loser, isn't it? Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm only trying to work out who it could be, and he, he, <laughs> I don't even, know. I don't know, <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, well, I, I know that my I know that my assessment wasn't that far off. The fact that I've not mentioned a name and how you were fucking straight onto who I was talking about. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, and that, again, that's that's something that people might not kind of realise on on social media, such and, and I touched on it then, and, and this goes back to to club racing, which is why we're on this this podcast. Mm-hmm. That racing is my life. Yeah, I watch everything. And I watch everything with an open mind. When I was a Rossi fan, I watched everything with a, with an open mind. And I was a Rossi fan. I'm not going to, you know, but the racing was more important than him. Yeah, yeah. So I was always happy when when someone else won. And and all the way down, down to club, I watched things, I learned things. That's why I was saying before that I wanted to take like a, a year off coming on to, on to things like this and get back to the grassroots so I could follow it right through. I've never really watched Moto 3 so much and the same at BSB the the, mm. the what's it so up and coming kids to me were from when they got into 600s and then onto onto the thousands because you can only absorb so much now, yeah I'm at a time of my life where we've I've, I've got the business kind of going and I've got my missus and the kids so I, I don't I won't be traveling to as many meetings so that means now I can absorb more stuff that's why I want to go to to club and I'll I'll, I'll learn a bit more so but yeah they they, they, they don't realize how much time racing techs up for me yeah. you know where there's people at work during the week i'll come home at dinner time and say i won't sit there for an hour and have my lunch i'll be reading everything yeah then i can give a, and that's again why i can give a valued opinion as such because I've, I've read both sides of one story and i've looked at something you know i didn't come out on on sunday night without watching that crash 30 times Swear yeah, to God, I've watched it back and back and back. Because like, if I'm coming on here to defend someone that I've not really got a lot of time for, that crashes his fucking brains out. You know, not forgetting in Motor 2 on a slow down like once, Marquez splattered someone because he just wasn't paying attention because he is, he's a little bit blasé sometimes and, and far too blasé and causes accidents. Yeah. And I just the second I saw that crash at weekend, I thought, Marquez crashed that. That yeah. makes any sense. So... When you're trying to explain to these people, they don't realise how much racing consumes me. Yeah, and and and, and, for, and all for the good, but you know. I'm, I'm... It, it, even club races as well, because I, I saw Aaron posted a comment as well, and the reply he got was, "You've clearly never fucking raced." But if if Aaron ain't walking, Aaron his, yeah, if he ain't, well, if he ain't... I mean, let's be let's be honest, he's he's a bit of an Alton god, and that's about it, isn't it? Yeah, but wait, wait, if, if, if has if, he ever travelled to any farther south than Alton Park, the Welsh tit? <laughs> um... <laughs> 
Has he, has he ever raced anywhere other than Anglesey and Alton? I mean, I, I, I like... Uh, yes, I, no, I, he, I has, he, he went has. He went to Cadwell Park last year and he fucking hated it. I'm going to say, I bet he got a fucking nose where he cried and went home. <laughs> but yeah, if, if but if Aaron ain't walking his dog or wanking off over Carol Vorderman, he, he's involved in bikes. He's either watching it, reading about yeah, it, or yeah. doing it. Yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. You know, you, know, I mean? That, you know, I'm not on my own with... You know, I don't claim to be... But again, that's why, excuse me, at BSB, I get to go and do the commentary because yeah. I can I can see things straight away. I can pick things up straight away. I've got enough knowledge to be able to kind of blag it and, and, and work my way through something really simple as last last year at Cadwell Park, Icky struggled a bit more than he thought and he wanted to run his old FTR swinging arm from the 2018 bike. Mm. And they tested it on the Monday and I'd seen one picture with a tiny shot of the swing arm um, of him doing it. And I went, Icky's trying an FTR swinging arm there in his bike. That's not a suitor. And sure enough, for the next round, he was on an FTR. And that's... That's why why people ask my opinion on things because I can I, you know I I can see parts of bikes that people might not pick up straight away but they also might not have the time because they they've got lives and I fucking don't. <laughs> <laughs> so sticking with social media, have you boys seen the state of fucking uh, track day addicts? It has come yeah. alive in a yeah. big way. What's um? So let me get this right. Sighting lap. Van, massive pileup. Is that what I'm reading? Yeah. So the, uh, the van has been used as the vehicle to to steward the sighting laps. Yeah. But someone either hadn't listened to the brief or it just not registered with them. They've gone fucking hooning off, and there's been a massive pileup. That's what I can take of it. But then they've jumped on social media and started slagging off about how a, a van's been used as. But then there's give, a... give it a day or two. Jump on YouTube. What track was that? Uh, one out in Spain. Yeah, was it, uh, it Cartagena or something? Uh, I'm not sure. I, I, I just literally. I, we'll be able to jump on YouTube, type in the track, and you'll be able to watch someone's YouTube video. And give it, give it a few days. It will be back on on track. The addicts. I can assure you of that. Yeah, yeah. but it, it, I, the the entire page is just blown up with loads of fucking stuff. It's brilliant. But it's been. Yeah, no, it's, it's it was been Al Maria. A, it was Al, oh, Al Maria. Was okay. It? Al Maria. Been, yeah, I was out there. It's been um, it's been brought up in a number of threads in in one day on the same on the same group, isn't it? Yeah. But it when it blows up, it blows up, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I think it's brilliant. Yeah, it's, is... it's certainly that's worth the entertainment value, and that genuinely is one place that I will stop off because if even if you're giving something factual, they will fucking they will rip. Oh yeah, but that but that's good. But that's. That's what bike racing should be. It's yeah. about having the crack. And I think, like you say, these days when, when I'm on there and, and, and I'll give an opinion of something in, to someone that's, that really doesn't have a clue, they're so sensitive, these yeah. Karens now, that you can't you can't have the crack. I mean, there was points on, on certain places on Sunday that, where, I was, where I was just having, I was really winding folk up going, oh, Karens are hearing me. Oh, the dummies <laughs> got spat out. Fuck yeah, yeah. yeah. People just take it all too personally, don't they? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't know. I've never been on a track there where they've done sighting laps in the van, but surely it, it doesn't matter what it is. Big a fucking bush bike. You're doing a sighting lap. You've, you've got to follow whatever's in front of you and they tell you. So why some liquor decided not to look where he's going? Yeah. And and, and cause that sort of carnage and then going, oh, well, they shouldn't be doing it in the van. Well, fucking should. <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know. 
it's entertaining though watching it all unfold on on there. <laughs> What's the backstory on this then? What, so someone was in a van where they've had an accident or something? So the, the circuit, of instead of using a safety car, yeah, I don't know, it's fucking broken down, got a flat tyre, I don't know, speculating. But they've, they've used a van instead as the marshalling vehicle for the, the sighting laps. Yeah. I've uh, somebody's not registered the fact that the van's doing the marshalling and just fucking gone hooning off and there's been a big pile of right, right, okay. skit, skittles. <laughs> you got to love it. <laughs> I think, uh, but, but somebody was on about it on there today and I did mention to him I, I might not mention his name but I said you could do a full race behind a fucking van and you still wouldn't fucking beat it um, <laughs> Adam Treacher treacle, treacle boy I um, see that did you, uh, did you see it? Uh, <laughs> like, I saw, I saw he's claiming I'm not six foot well <laughs> yeah, he's, <honestly. laughs> he said I'll we've got to get a measuring tape out <laughs> I keep on sitting there I've I keep coming up with the, you know, like they used to do on Top Gear about the stick. Like some say that he, he's this and that. Yeah. Well, he's got a fucking lot of that to come now. He's, <laughs> he, he's opened a can of worms and it's like today someone put something like, you've wound me up now, get ready. And I'm like, listen, if you pick a snake up and it bites you, you've no one else to blame but your fucking self because you knew it was a snake when he picked it up. Oh, he's got it coming that lanky to that. <laughs> He comes, he comes, he's another one like Jamie. I met him actually in person for the first time at Brands Axe last, last, the, the last round last year. You know, it's 18th of October and I'm, I'm one for wearing like tight fitting stuff and that, but fucking hell, it's fucking Baltic outside. He's coming in this kind of vesting looking like a fucking leprechaun rare right, a boys on that's got lost. And he's giving me shit about not being six foot. You kiss my fucking swingers kid. And he rides a 600. You know, no, not slagging off any other six hundred riders, but this kid's about seventeen stone and six foot eight, and fannies around on a six hundred because he's a fucking gassing fanny, and he's telling me I'm not six foot. Kid, keep your fucking throttle warm because I'm coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> Talking of six hundred, you had fun at the weekend, didn't you, Tom? Any six hundred? Yeah, it was alright. It was good fun. So, more fun on the seven fifty, to be honest, on the classic. Yeah, oh, right. I seen that. I seen that on on Facebook, Tom. Yeah, what's it does it. It's what's the front end in that? Because it's not. That did is, you have you um, rode one of the proper classic team classic Suzuki ones? No, no, no. I'm not, not the S Rad anyway. No, no, right. not for sure. Yeah. But the uh, I think it's a K1 front end, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's got made... and the swinging arm's been welded up, but it's not a factory swing arm, it's one that they've fabricated themselves. I'll be honest, I don't think they fabricated it, they've got it from someone in America. Right, yeah, so yeah. What it was used for, I'm not too sure, but yeah, yeah. It looks looks a bit of kit, doesn't it? But yeah, then the the, uh, the triple clamps and the the yokes, they're all one off. Same same as on on Michael's bike, and I think Bob Collins has got one as well. But yeah, mate, it's a it's a bit of kit. The the carburation's absolutely pony at the moment. The um, yeah, just not there, not there at all. But when it gets there, yeah, it should be sweet. I mean, them. It's a bit like you say when you get the carburation right, them them old S rods like that, that frame and stuff on them, they handle like a fucking dream. And it's mm. not too much power, so you can actually you can really ride them things. The, the frame off them was it? It's the same geometry as the the RGV five hundred from Swanson's era. That's ah, that I didn't realize that. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. That's what they were marketed as. They when they come out in God, I think I bought one in ninety four. 94, 96, yeah. I bought a six hundred, and that's how they were marketed. The frame geometry is exactly the same as the Swanson's 500 of, of oh, that I era. That. So, oh. so that's why what I'm saying when when you get that bite sorted, they handle fucking mm. sweet as a e- nut. E- even already, no, she, she, she handles sweet at the moment. It's just that, yeah, it's just that engine. It's just gutless. As soon as you open the throttle, it just dies, just the rev, revs die. But 
yeah, if you open the throttle slowly and, and build it up, then then she she revs on, but only to a point, and then you, you give it any more, and she just dies again. It's just fucking flat sides. <laughs> but we'll get there. We'll get there. And we got a guy called uh, what's his name, Paul Paul Bolton, working on it. He's worked with Kevin Schwantz. He's worked with yeah, load load of load of top boys on the RGVs and, and whatever. So he'll get there in the end, I'm sure. Us, we um we put a, a bit of a. Uh, a call out last on the last episode asking for people to leave us reviews and we've had, we've had quite quite a few um we also asked for race reports to be sent in and we've had a lad called Mickey Hanron who you were racing with uh, at the weekend Tom and he's included you in his in his race report some uh, <laughs> some about you came flying past him showed him a line um then you fucked off into the distance and then he came past you uh dragging your ass out of the gravel yeah, my well done, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, this is his race review. So a quick voice note of my race weekend with NG Road Racing at Branzach. I went out on the bike for the first time on Friday with intermittent weather. Um, missed a few sessions because of the weather changing. Got re- quite comfortable with the bike. Obviously, it was the first time out. Um, felt really good. Managed to turn up Saturday. Uh, beat my PB from 2022 when I was there with Emsey in qualifying and then beating it again in race one obviously when tom thank you to tom anyway for giving me a toe when he lapped me that was really nice of you managed to give me a good line give me about half a second on a lap so cheers for that sunday we went out obviously it was raining the the weather was quite bad intermittent it was dry by the end of the day i'm sure it was possibly tom that fell off on the sighting lap not sure might have been, but no, really good result from the weekend. Just want a big thank you to you guys for doing your podcast. You're doing really well. Really appreciate it. It has helped me, even though I'm in my third year of racing. And also a big thank you to all my sponsors that helped me out and got me on the bike this year. Thank you. G&G Mobility, TG CAD Services. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Um. So, yeah, in response to Mickey's remarks, how did, what, what, what happened, Tom? Yeah, we went for a little early lie down just because uh, obviously he's sponsored by Held Levers again this year. So um, <laughs> I, I had to give him a, a, a cheeky little free PR event. And uh, yeah, I took one for the team. I had a little lie down and yeah, took an early bath. But nah, it's all good. I uh, was an absolute cock. Changed my suspension settings, stiffened them up again before it was too. Uh, yeah, I thought it was drying out, but it weren't. It was still greasy. It was actually slippier than it was when it was piss wet through. Um, I don't normally run tire warmers on wet. So I don't, don't know what you boys do, but. Yeah, no. I, I never normally do. I just normally go out, go for it, and yeah, whatever. I, I've only ever put wets in warmers once, and I completely fucked the job. I didn't go out hard enough, and the tyres cooled off, and then I just fucking... And, and you lose confidence rather yeah. than giving up to it, yeah. yeah. But... I absolutely would never get on a motorcycle now without tyre warmers on, and, and and even more so in the wet. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> just because of the pure advantages that I found back, back, back when I was racing... Kind of properly that you know you, they've gone for fifty five degrees and and I've seen mm, people go yeah. out and I'm like you Tom that that don't put them in warmers but fucking absolutely my ass would fall right out you've no chance you've no mm. chance I've got even back in in the superbike days we've had a tire warmer fail and, and and they've sent me out on a brand new front that, that, that to hold is is warm but the tire warmer's failed and they're like just do three laps and you'll be fine and I've done three laps coming shaking like a shitting dog and just being a complete fanny. Yeah, just no you know, that's that's where that's where the modern day stuff's gone gone to. Not traction control and that, with such fannies 
that I can't ride if my tyres aren't warm. Fucking hell. Do you not think that's psychological, though? 100%. 100%. But the couple of the biggest crashes I've had have been... I mean, I take the piss out of myself completely on, on, on social media for crashing and stuff, but my crashes have only ever been big ones. I've never had them little crashes. Mm. So the one on the Sunday morning in 2007, even though it was the, the forks that had failed, we we were then struggling with a tyre warmer because back then, if you were in the Superbike Cup, you didn't get a garage. Yeah, You were on a generator at end of pit lane going out. You were pure paupers then. And I'd put it down to that. So that, that, that I lost my ass with that. And then... I've been out on wets and felt like I don't, I don't, this is why I, I don't know if you've ever had this feeling, Tom, and if you've gone out on wets that aren't warm, but it feels like you've, someone's missed a space right at your wheel. Yeah. So like well, I just can't problem. do it. You know, yeah. the, the way they wobble around. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, no, I am a pure pussy with that. I'm a funny outlier. Thing is, I went out in warm up and it was absolutely fine when it was like piss wet through. Yeah. And then as it, as it was kind of drying up, there's not really a dry line, but it was, you know, when it, the track's still wet, but there's no standing water whatsoever. But, and it was it was on a warm up lap, round clearways. Bob Collins done the same. And there was about thirty two crashes there this this on just on Sunday alone. So okay. that makes me feel a bit better. Well, Bob still... Bob must be seeing his ass because he's pretending he's got man flu and actually had a day off work today, hasn't he? So he's he's, he's proper licking his wounds because he went on his went on his ass. He never works anyway. He's always <laughs> in Spain, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> so, tell us about motorcycle stars and Howie. How, well, first um, of all, first of all, what is it, and how have you got it going? Um, well, in the same way that I've I've owned superbike teams and everything else, um, but I'll just I'll just tell you about that before we get onto motorcycle stars because it's kind of a it's a rhythm of things. When I I got my own team in in 07 because Malcolm had asked for too much money in in 07 to ride the Kawasaki, and then that just escalated and then become the tenor for men team in, in 08. Um, we did the strangest sponsorship known to man for, for racing, but we got that. And then I did it again in 2012, I think. I, I rode in Superstock in 11 for CN Racing. And Sorry to interrupt. When you were sponsored by Tenor, men, Tenor for Men, did they sort you out for when you get to the manopause? Did, did, manopause? Did... Listen to me, kid. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm there as well, mate. I'm there as well. So... The what we found out with Tenor for Men, it was because at the first round, if you remember in 08, it was snowing. And we'd got 175 guests in our hospitality, all from Tenor for Men. And we, for whatever fucking reason, they'd put boxes of Tenor for Men on the tables. And they, <laughs> all these people did work for Tenor for Men. But I'm thinking, what a thing to fucking display this. But as it was snowing, all these people from Tenor for Men are pulling them out of the box, they put them in the shoes. And it, if your feet are pissed wet through, it dried them up and warmed your feet up as well. Um, so no, they were they never sorted me out for the menopause, but they did dry my feet out that day. And then we got to Donington and it was pissing down. I, I told this story a few times that coming to the garage and because I was such a prima donna, they uh, one of my mechanics used to go and do me sort me helmet out at showy and fetch it in and put my gloves on a table and, and and I'm not being funny, but when you get to that stage of racing, if you can get that, look it, have it for a bit. Yeah. No, instead of running around doing your own thing and being on your hands and knees, changing changing oil, you know, I, this team was was mine, tenor for yeah. men. You know, I I built it up, and I again seven days a week that consumed me from chasing other sponsors, getting the bikes ready, sorting the truck out, sorting you know. So when I got there on a Saturday and Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I did want someone to get me on me. I'm not going to lie, and I did enjoy it a bit. Yeah. Um, but come to come in 
and it was wet and I'd, I've come to sit down to get ready to go out for my session. The guys had put my helmet, my gloves and then a tender for men pad because it was pissing down. Obviously, I'm a dick and I'm going to wind folk up. So I got it and I undid my zip, put it down my ke- in between my leathers and my undies and then I crashed and I thought I'd ripped my knee in bits and I doffed off and this tenner for men pad out so the marshals fucking love that. I got ripped to death. But but as far as the sponsor goes, they, they were mega. They were fucking mega. But, but just imagine that, you know, superbike rider crashing, at, I think it was McLean's, just do- doffing his kecks off with tenner for men splashed all over it and as he drops his kecks to his knee, his leathers to his knees, the tenor for men pad falls out. It's like, <laughs> fuck, you can't write this shit, man. <laughs> Before this conversation, I didn't even know what they are. I've just Googled them. You did Hey, hey, listen, the good if you if you're one of them people that watches that funny football stuff on TV, yeah, yeah, sit there with a couple of beers. You don't have to get up during the game. You're just pissing straight into them, crystallizers, carry on drinking away. Wow. So they've got the uses. Um, but yeah, mega sponsors then in in so let's get to where we're going in 2012, I had no ride sorted and I literally went out one night, genuinely, nothing landed, nothing to do. I was I'd not going to ride. I was struggling for sponsors. And I just thought, fuck it. I'll not ride. I'll start a superbike team. And within 12 hours of that thought in my head in a pub, I had a truck sorted to rent for the season. I had two riders that I'd spoke to. I had a sponsor because they got a sponsor with them. I got two bikes off Nick Morgan from MSS. Um, and away we went. Now, that season went to shit because I'd got, we got initially going. I'd have been speaking to a guy that was something to do with Microsoft and he was a European distributor and he promised us the fucking earth for this. And he came to Alton Park and stood there in front of the whole garage and went, guys, your season's going to be mega. Wait till you get this money. And it was quarter of a million quid this. And he left Alton Park with his wife and never answered the fucking phone to me again. And about three rounds later, I was dead on my life. I was sat at home. The truck had gone to, to whichever race meeting. I had 70p on the table and that was me. For wow. nothing. I'd spent everything, every month, every penny I'd ever earned in my life. He'd said, keep going and I'll sort you this money out. So I threw everything I had more, got myself in debt. And I was sat there with 70p on my table and that's all I had in the world with a race team at fucking whichever racetrack. Fuck. Yeah. So, you know, you... How the fuck did you dig yourself out of that hole? Fucking slowly. <laughs> Luckily, you know, massive, massive kudos or, or thanks to, to Nick Morgan at the time. He took the bikes back and sorted that. And I'd give him... I'd give him a, a chunk of money for them, but they still weren't paid off. And he went, we'll call that rent. Because Nick Morgan's been in that place before himself. So and and yeah. genuinely the racing community around me kind of come to me a little bit and were like, fucking hell, man. This, you know, at first the the, the immediate reaction is he's had everybody off. Why has he got no money left? But then when yeah. they realize you've thrown everything you've got at it and you've got nothing, mm. then they all come back a bit. And I got time to I just basically I begged everyone for time to pay bills that weren't paid and and got through it and, and, and paid every one of them off. Um so Again, don't, please don't feel sorry for me because I've had a fucking hell of a life. <laughs> but, but that's that's how racing goes sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I, oh, massive highs say, and massive lows. Yeah, as I say, that that racing consumes me that much. I would, I mean, now I can't because I've got a bend. But back then, I was, I was me. Um, it, it consumes me, and and I would, I would give up literally anything. Which is again why I'm so I will stand up for myself so much on social media, blah blah blah. So the motorcycle stars thing. 
come about a few years ago um, with it with a friend, and we were doing the One X leathers, um, and we were going to build it. I wanted to build a brand of something, and we, which was motorcycle stars, where you'd we'd come and fix you, you know you'd come you bring your race bike to us, and we'd fix it. But while you were there, there's there's a restaurant, and I want it to be like a full bike a hub community thing, and then. It kind of never really took off, and I moved to where I am now with, with with the girlfriend, and I'd got a couple of bikes to fix fix for friends, and I thought actually, now might be the time. And I spoke to a guy that's named that's named a business partner, and and it's what we're building up. But this whole motorcycle stars thing is it's I want it to become a one stop shop, yeah. where if you need any help for racing, be it clothing, sorting your bike out, getting parts. You know, the whole shebang that you can go, right, we can go to where we I might direct you to somebody else and not make a penny off it. But, you know, like I don't, if you, you'll have seen on, on my social media a couple of the bikes that I've built lately, yeah. but I don't I don't build engines and I don't profess to say that I can build engines. So I'll put you onto Crowy if you've got a BMW. You know, and, and Crowy doesn't know this or, or any of them, but I know do, enough people. do now. <laughs> well, yeah, but but I know enough people to be able to point you in the right direction for, yeah, yeah. That, for that expertise kind of thing. And and if I can do it, I will. Of course, I will. Um, but so yeah, it, it really is literally and anything that if anybody needs anything, ask. And if I can provide, uh, I will. Dead yeah. simple. So it's you know we've just stopped, started doing the clothing. The people are not going to see this, but you guys can. You know we've done this motorcycle stars clothing and. We've got a lot of our stuff branded up. I've got a superbike team that's taken our clothing, and I want to be able to make that again accessible to club racers. You know, we're selling a hoodie at, at BSB for forty quid because we can, but kids at club racing don't—they can't afford. You know, and they're, they're not going to sell it. It's just for their people and their team. So then yeah. we'll, we'll have that discussion. And, and if I can help them, we bring the price right down. I, I, I simply will. Um, you know, I don't profess to be a. I'm good at building a motorcycle because of I've built super bikes, but all I've ever done is got a load of parts and put them together, which is what everyone. There's no in, in racing these days. I think you, you, you'll kind of agree that you're more of a fitter rather than than, than a mechanic. Yeah, a part yeah. breaks, yeah. a parts bust, and and you change it. Yeah. Um, and I know to clean things up. You know, I, I can polish a turd. I'd, I'd make Jamie look good after he's been to Turkey with his new air um, by buying him a I hat. Knew that. I knew that was coming up. <laughs> So, so yeah, that's that really is the, the, the. Of course, I need to make a living out of it. But the, when the shop opens properly, and I want to be able to sell other people's race bikes, if you send your race bike to me for sale, and I want to clean it up, I will do so, etc. It's just that's what I want it to be—a biker hub for folk. Yeah, and so I haven't just—I haven't come on this to promote that, by the way. It, it, you know, you well, I, I, I asked you to come on here to promote it. Yeah, because um, I think it's fucking mega what you're doing. Uh, I really do. Um, and if I was to go back three years when I first started racing and I saw that motorcycle stars was, was somewhere that I could go to, I wouldn't have made half as many mistakes as what I have. And I'd probably have an extra fucking 15 grand in my back pocket. Yeah. Good so, luck, yeah. I mean, t- today's a prime example that I've, I've took a, a mate over to my nephew's garage to, to have an MOT on a car, which is nothing, but I've had about four phone calls. Now, well, I've gone with a mate to, to do his MOT, so I've not been in the garage and not earned out. And I'm I'm advising people to do this and to do that and find it this way and, and do that that way. And I'm not going to make a dean out of it, and somebody else is. But yeah. the motorcycling community, really, especially in these hard times, because the government are fucking wankers, 
we we need to come together. And I, I genuinely do not mind spending an hour, hour on my phone a day speaking to everyone and, and just helping how I can. I've got somehow from a knobhead at club racing that didn't know how to set any suspension up. I've got a lot of experience now and I've been through every single part of racing. Like you said, the highs, the lows, mm -hmm. the team ownership, the riding, the, you know, the, the building of things. And if I can pass that bit on, I, I absolutely will. I'm not, you know, I've, I, I've nothing left to prove in my, in my, in my racing world. Someone mm. asked me today why I don't even have a track bike. And I'm like, because I'll ride the fucker and break my bones. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of them. So if I can help, I really will. I, I mean, there are there are situations through racing where I feel like I may have wronged someone. You know, there's been outstanding money this way and the other, but I can assure you there's people owed me a fucking hell of a lot more than I would ever owe. And I always try to write. I mean, but, and again, if I feel like I'm right in a situation, then that'll be my stance. So, yeah. But again, yeah, um, I think as far as chasing sponsorship goes these days, I'm a little bit behind the door because the world's changed vastly since yeah, I had to yeah. really, really chase chase sponsors. I think it's your social media presence is, is such a big thing now, and, and you know, it's advertising rather than sponsorship and it, people that are coming into racing. It's a double-edged sword, though, because when you were going for sponsorship, there wasn't the social media for them to to advertise on, whereas now a company can pay 20 quid and target that exact demographic that they want to hit. Mm. So yeah. they're not going to pay money to have a sticker or put on the side of a motorbike. They're just no, not going to do it. And I, again, I've, all, I've said this for quite some time and really wanted to make a point of it, but Larry Carter at BSB told me that it had been tried and, and nothing had gone, but we need to get these dickhead politicians that are only busy busy screwing us and you know that that the energy crisis there's no energy crisis if they really really wanted to sort it they fucking would but they but they don't and they can't yada 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 but why is sponsorship not being sorted out in parliament for, for every sport now where it becomes beneficial for a company to give someone money because it gets recycled and returned and I just don't think there's enough I mean I understand now there's you know there's money laundering issues and all this that and all that and bullets but there needs to be more because there's certain sports being given far too much in every way and too much help. And then motorcycling, is, it, it gets nothing. Yeah. Um, but it, I think it, the proof's in the fact that the, the minister that's in charge of it all is also in charge of television, entertainment, sport. It, it's the, the double hat where the triple hatting in such a massive fucking field that the things that we're wanting just get completely forgotten. They're not even a, a momentary thought. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, even as far as like the National Lottery thing, I just don't think there's enough benefits anymore. Like you've said, a, a company can advertise for 20 quid and, and reach, reach their demographic and reach the amount of people that it's got. There are diehard businesses that will support racing because, because they actually love it, but that's yeah. not the, the core that we need people that are not really asked about the racing. Yeah. They're asked about what they can get out of it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think it's something that's it's been left too long and left left too far behind now uh, that that it needs addressing in, in genuinely in Parliament, you know. Um, yeah. So that when I like back to club racing, I, in on my in my year uh, on the Ducati, I got a sponsor that was a, a boiler company, and they got no, absolutely nothing from it whatsoever, but. They just the guy that did it was Italian and I'd got a Ducati and he was in Britain and he gave me five hundred quid 
so he could come to watch a race. Now, he could have come to Cadwell and paid 12 quid on the door or whatever it was, Mm. but it was just that bit. So, and the feeling involved piece. Yeah. Yeah. And that day, I mean, I mean, Jamie's got his sponsor, you know, the the guy that looks after him, but we need these people that could afford to put more in if there was more return. They they simply would. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There needs to be um, an incentive. The, yeah, and it's, need to exactly an, an incentive, and, and unfortunately, with the way of the world, it's obviously a money, a monetary incentive. That I mean, if someone gives a team twenty thousand quid, then that twenty thousand quid is going to get distributed between other people for wages and stuff, and then it, go, it goes back into the economy. But it, that, I know that's the same with everything. But the point is, it's just it's been missed. Yeah, and all the politicians give a fuck about is football and this, that, and the other, and fucking women's rights, which. It's well, you, you, can open such, you can open such a big can of, can of worms. Yeah. In fact, has any have any of you guys seen on on the internet um, a genuine interview about someone saying that women need to be paid the same as men in sport? And as a percentage wise thing, and this is not this is not slagging glasses off or anything like that, but the women's footballers at their World Cup as a percentage got paid more than the men. They clearly didn't get paid as much. But the percentage-wise, because the men's turnover is four hundred billion or something, and they yeah, get yeah. X amount, and the women's is four hundred million, and as a percentage, the girls actually get paid more. But that just gets that just gets missed. You know what I mean? And yeah. you know, so it's yeah. With th- I think things need to be done to to help everybody because I think times I, you can see even in I don't know what it's been like at the at, at club racing, but. Times oh, it, so you can see times are getting hard for everybody now. So Emra had their test uh, not last weekend, the weekend before, and there were about uh, there were about forty bikes there apparently at their test. Mm. Um, and I, I've seen the end, uh, the the advertised the other day uh, out of let's say for example out of ten race classes that they've got going on, only one was full, and that was the CB 500s. Yeah, wow. every. Every, every other class had shitloads of availability, um, and I, 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 if I went up there on Sunday, I'd expect to see probably Mallory Trophy ten bikes on grid, which is fucking shocking. But like a couple of years ago, when I was racing there, there were 30, over thirty bikes on the grid for Mallory Trophy. I mean, on track day, addicts, it's always been a bit of a piss take that people will sell track days because they've they've looked at the weather and it's going to rain, but it's got to a point now. For, for these, for, there was a track day at Alton Park today that was dead because it had forecast rain. As it turned out, it was dry. But people are that scared of spending money and not being able to get any track time now. Yeah, yeah. they're not even, but they're not even <laughs> booking on. They're not even yeah. booking and thinking, oh, I might risk it and whatever. They're not, but and it that's the biggest, and that is now where we see that this that the money situation yeah. is really is hitting people really hard, and that's why something has to be done with with, with the racing side of things. Yeah. A couple of years ago, you had to book your track day at least three months in advance, months otherwise you just weren't getting on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and I now, did. now people would rather not do the track yeah. day and go to work because they need the money. So I, I went to Alton Park last week. I'd not booked a track day. I just went up there to see Aaron, and the track was fucking dead. I reckon there were ten bikes going around across all grid across all the groups. So I, I believe went... it was pretty much the same today. You know, was it? I was I was supposed to go up, but obviously I was doing this and end up being busy. I was going to go and give a kid an hand, yeah. Uh, I, I I just went into office, paid a few quid, and uh, got on for afternoon. Um, but yeah, it's, it's fucking mad. But it, it, that's where it is now. You you don't need to book a track day. You can literally roll up on the off chance, and you will get on. Yeah, yeah. I, I, 
before I always used to do that. I never used to book on. I would just turn up on the day and, and mm. try and book on. And last last year was um, my comeback ride. I went to to Anglesey, and it got to dinner time, and I went and seen Mark from from No Limits, and it was like fifty quid for afternoon. Paid him, and the second that fucking th- my card hit the card machine, it pitched down. <laughs> I'd have gone on a, on a bike, I'd built, I'd had no wets for me. Like, well, that's 50 quid up the fucking sweat. I remember I'm from Yorkshire, so 50 quid to me, I was out, I'd spent three days in bed recovering from that fucker. <laughs> um, but then I did one later on in the year, I had a X10 in the garage, and I took that down to, to Alton Park, and again, just, just paid on for the afternoon. And it was shocking the amount of availability that there was that there never used to be. Yeah. You know, it's... Um, it's quite scary. Really, yeah, it's. I I don't think it's sustainable at all. No, um, no, because the price of track time is going up. As in, uh, um, the no limits will be paying more and more for for the yeah. track t- for the track time that they use. And if they're not getting the numbers, yeah, it was fucked. So that'll reduce it. That'll condense the amount of track days, and it'll just go further and further, further down. Yeah, it's yeah. It, it, it's it's scary. Yeah. So going back to your motorcycle superstars, um. What's the bikes that you've got? Because I know you're running raffles, aren't you? And I know that because <laughs> as a podcast, we've entered one of your raffles. You are. Stars, or is it motorcycle stars? It's motorcycle stars. I, I, yeah. Rich is obviously drunk more than I have now. So <laughs> I, will go, I, I was going to correct him, but I thought Jamie might have jumped in, but he's too busy looking at porn on his phone while we're talking. No. <laughs> I can tell you're watching porn. Your hair's gone spiky. Don't start, you know. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> That's how, they, that's how it is nowadays. You go to Turkey and they just design it like that. Uh, Mrs. is downstairs. I don't eat. The second we switch this off, he'll be like, we're just finishing up there, love. We're just going to do a couple of vocals. He'll be knocking a wank straight out. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, I did, um, I, I auctioned an Aprilio. And again, this is, um, it started off as just an idea to, to get rid of a bike. And then I got a CBR 600 off a kid that come with everything that you would need to go racing for a season. Yeah. Um, and he wanted me to sell it for him. And I said, um, it, James Nutt is called. I'll, I'll give the kid a mention. And I said, why don't we raffle this off, mate, to give, if we sell it 135 tickets at £40 a ticket, it gives someone the chance to go racing this year that's skint because of what's happened. And this might be their catalyst. They, could, they can sell the bike or they could just think, right, because this has cost me nothing. I've only to pay my entry fees and buy, buy some sets of tyres. And it really fit this, this motorcycle stars mold that, that I'm trying to make. So... We've got that one going on at the moment, but unfortunately, because I'm a dickhead, I got um, banned off Facebook for a month at Christmas, and I'm st- I was banned for 57 days after as well. So every every algorithm they see, it kind of kicked it in the nuts a bit. Um, but we've now got um, we're buying actual proper competitions company that reaches out to a, to a lot more people, and there'll be a lot more going on. But we are still trying to get rid of the CBR 600 yeah. that you that you have bought a ticket for. Um, and you did. You mentioned that you've got a plan for that, which I'll let you you tell everyone yeah. about. So, if we, if our number comes out, I think it's was it triple one? Was it one hundred and eleven? Our ticket number, I think. Can't remember. Uh, but anyway, if if we get drawn out of the raffle and we as a podcast win that bike, what we're going to do is give it away to a listener. Um. So somebody somebody listening who wants to get involved in racing, um, yeah, they'll they'll basically get given the bike. Um, there's, a, there's another guide on it, uh, Mark. I'm not going to give his full, full name. He's an ex-factory um, HRC mechanic, a, a really nice guy. And he's done the same. He bought two tickets. He says, if I win it, I'm going to give it to two kids. 
Uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to give it to a kid to go racing for for the season. So, yeah, no, that's mega. But that, again, this is the idea. So now when we've got the shop open and the competition company thing running, the tickets are going to be a lot cheaper, but obviously a lot more. Um, As a business, the idea should be that we're going to advertise it everywhere and and people can win this and that. But I'm going to try and keep it contained to to purely racing because there's 10 or 15,000 people out there, and, Mm. and plus the fans. Now, if we can, we might end up doing a motorhome or we'll pay for your weekend's racing, et cetera, et cetera. It won't just be bikes. But yeah, again, yeah. this is all the thing of you know, kind of, I'm always sending like, I just want to help as many people as I can through racing. And yeah. through that, I am going to get work and I, and, and I will be busy. And I do understand that I'm not, you know, I can't just do it all for free. But my main focus through motorcycle stars as it is, is to try and help. And I'm thinking, out of your budget of racing for the year, if even if the tickets are a fiver, if you spend a fiver a week on every raffle that we do through the year, if there's 20 raffles, at your racing budget, if you can afford that and you're one of the people that wins it, wins a bike, wins a motorhome, wins a weekend's you know, there's good boots, leathers, gloves, anything. Yeah. It all but helps. And, and that is the plan. DRC, DRC leathers do the same thing, don't they? They I think every week they yeah, do a they, raffle yeah. and uh, the winner gets a custom set of so that they'll design the leathers for him. He's been, uh, but he's been doing that, uh, trying to get enough money together to to get himself his his first wig, and it's just not happened yet. But, but kudos <laughs> to him, that he's, you know, kudos to 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 the lad. He's you know he's giving the leathers away, but he's just not made enough profit to get his wig yet. Bless him. <laughs> he doesn't need a boob job, does he, Mister Dexter? Let's be fair. <laughs> you were at Silverstone the other year, walking over the bridge. You know where you, where you leave. We're no top on strutting away, and I goes over in my car, like, oh, yeah, tits away, you fat bastard, did it? Oh, you ruined it. Stuck with some little, some bird there with my, giving it four big kiss, like, oh, yeah, fuck. No, but he's, he, again, he's, he's a nice guy, and that's that's the thing that, you know, if you can, I think you should, and especially in these times at the minute, if you can, you should. I'm not, by any means, I am. What are we talking about? Are you getting your tits out, or? Tom, you are not seeing my tits. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you DM me. <laughs> no, Aris is the titty man on here. He'll get out. He's out, won't he? Um, yeah. yeah only, if not... only if you're a dwarf, though. <laughs> yeah. Only get some out for dwarfs. Or amputees. <laughs> he only ever used to go out with dwarfs, so they couldn't see his bald spot. But now he's got new hair, he'll probably go out with a taller bird. <laughs> I'd, go out, I'd, I'd definitely date someone who's about six foot. Um not you, obviously, because you're about five <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Class. Yes. So, Jamie, have we had any shitbags this week? None at all. I've not, I've, to be fair, I've been pretty hard at work. So I've not really had the time to go and look. But earlier today, I went looking. I, went, I couldn't find anything. So. Maybe the words spread in. <laughs> I, I, th- I think I think it is. Let me find right. So I saw a comment earlier on. Um, a guy that a guy that's been listening to us for well since we started. Um, oh, I can't find it. You know what? Let's come back to this. If they're in the shit bag, do I do questions? That's what I was doing when he said I was watching Paul and I was I was um, writing some questions and I was writing my final words, if you will. Right, six foot, about eight inches. Um, Fuck off, is it? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Right, so um, 
Mr. Michael Howarth, um, if you could go back and start your racing career again, what would you do differently? Um, right. So I'd change two things, everything and nothing, if if that makes any sense. there's I've learned so much through the mistakes I've made that, you know, I should have done another year at club and maybe I should have done a, a year at Superstock before I went straight into to BSB, et cetera. But then I look back and think, but did I achieve exactly what I wanted to? And then probably achieve more. So then I would change nothing. So it's, you know, it, it, it's one of those questions that I can't really definitively answer because of course, if you look retrospectively, there's things that could have been done differently and better and, and monetary things and, and all sorts. But really, I'm here now. I can't change it. And I had a blast. So, you know, it's a bit of a cop out that answer, but that, that's the answer I'd give. It's the guy Martin thing, isn't it? If if some butts of pots and pans would all be scrap metal merchants. Fucking yeah. do not. Oh, God. Tom, Tom's into road racing. He must have spent time on him. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Love the guy. Obviously, Carl Harris was my, my best mate before he passed, bless him. Um, and he was teammates with Guy. So him and Guy had come into my motorhome and the shit I used to have to listen to. <laughs> oh, God almighty. I, I've always wanted to capture him back. Um because he was sat at the, at the TT and Steve Parrish comes and interviews him and he's, he's just being guy. And he goes on about a spatchcock chicken. Do you know what a spatchcock chicken is, Steve? And he starts explaining that it's a really small chicken. And I'm, I was out, I was out watching the telly going, it's fucking not, it's a squash chicken that you're cooking in an oven. Blah, 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 blah. But he just, I agree with what, um, I think it was John McGuinness on that um, that film they did about the TT. He yeah, talks yeah. pure rubbish. He talks pure rubbish. But then who am I to speak? Because I talk pure rubbish. But yeah, no, he's... <laughs> Small doses is all right, but fucking hell, he can bark on. <laughs> Any man that can shut me up can fucking bark on. <laughs> so, um, you obviously know that I like dwarfs and amputees. What's your favourite type of porn? And I'm specifically asking that because I know your missus in the next room and you're dead red in the face right now. <laughs> Don't want to answer the question. <laughs> The question, uh, we're now going to questions. This is, it's not, well, it's kind of live because this will go out on Friday, but <laughs> Jamie just asked me what my favourite type of porn is, knowing that you're sat there. But like, guys, this is <laughs> I love, I love how he's struck, struck, with the fake hair sat there. I love how you I just asked permission to ask permission to him because he thought he'd be a passport. So he can answer the question without getting told off the grounded. What's my favourite type of palm? It's the one, it's the one where she sends me pictures of her bump. No. I can't answer that, Jamie. Fucking hell. Kind of, I like I, I kind of like my missus and my child and my, and my house and my livelihood. Yeah, dick. <laughs> <laughs> I'll DM you later and tell you. Oh, <laughs> well, she texts me now. She's only sat eight feet away. She's, <laughs> I swear to God, my missus has just texted me who's eight feet away and gone, my favourite type of pond, as in me, is dwarf. <laughs> when you say she's eight foot away, she's probably more five foot, but you don't know the lengths or distances, do you? Don't you, Jamie? I am six foot. Oh, we yes, shall have this. Do. We shall have this. And I didn't have to go to Turkey to get my hair to gain a couple of inches, did I, kid? That is a good 
good inch and a half, two Look inches at there. That. It's, honestly, that is rocking. Listen, listen. Have you noticed how he's got his headphones so it doesn't touch his wig? You knew me before I got this done. I was bald up to here. I, I preferred you that way, I think. Much yeah. less confidence, easier to rip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are we likely to see you racing again, even at, you know, um, club level? The dream, yes. The realism, probably not. Um, Boom, here we go. Next year, CB500, come and race with us. Can't. Can't ride them. That's that. That's not even just three. for shits. Not even just for shits and giggles. No, because I am. I am really that bad. Um, I did, used to do Jamie Whitham's track days, and a guy was on a six hundred one day, and he come in and said, "We have a go on my bike. It feels terrible because we they used to do that and help set up and stuff." And I went, "Mate, I am the wrong person to ask. I cannot. I because I literally went from being on a road bike to racing thousand cc bikes, and even with TT or anything." It's point and squirt on them fucking things. Yeah, yeah. I've never carried corner speed. I am a trush. I did one super sport race and I think I did morning warm up. Uh, sorry, the FP1 at Brands and, and did the morning graphic. Like, I can't do this. So, so no, I'm, I'm absolutely god awful on them. So, I, I couldn't. So, it wouldn't be CB500. I have thought this season that if the, when the business is up and running like properly in, in its workshop, um, I might build myself a super stock spec bike and try to do a couple of rounds at the end of the year, but I, I highly doubt it. Um, one, I'm probably not fast enough anymore. I mean, I, I did a track day last year and held my own as I, as I thought, but no, you nah. didn't. <laughs> you what? No, you didn't. You messaged me, said you're probably faster than me. <laughs> what? I tried to make you feel a little bit better about yourself because you were having a bad day because your hair wouldn't fucking go. Uh, <laughs> Oh, I've got something come up here now. What's happening here? Sorry, I'm going to have to grab the missus. missus yeah. What's happening? iCloud or something. How do I get rid of that? Can't see Richard's wonderful face. Not asked about seeing Jamie. Yeah. I've just hit that and it won't go away. Oh, there we go. Oh, then it's straight back to Jamie. Hi. 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 <laughs> Hi there. <laughs> You dwarf porn loving motherfucker. Uh, um, you might need to edit a bit of that out. So, um, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, to be honest, yeah, racing's been my life for that long. I'd lo I'd love to think that it was when I had the big crash in 2016 that properly splattered me, and I, and I did race after. I I really don't want my racing to career to end on a crash. I want. Yeah. I'd like to be the person that says, right, you know, even if it was a, an endurance race at no limits or whatever, and, and if I proved to not be fast enough, it, I'd like it to be my decision. And it felt feels like that decision got taken away from me. And I again, can't. you can you can absolutely see, yeah, like the way shaky the way shaky burn handles it, Tom, yeah. that he shaky struggling. Yeah. And and I think he openly admits. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he's quite open about that as well. Yeah, it's. It's fucking torture. It yeah. genuinely is. Um, that that thing that you had for you to, for, you know, you've got, but you do see it. People that can walk away, walk away and have an happy life. And then there's other people in, in, in every aspects of life, I suppose. But when it gets taken away from you, that itch never gets scratched. So I, I haven't raced, I, I haven't raced a bike since I was sliding on my face at 100 mile an hour with Leon Jaycock coming up my ass. Uh, 
that sounds so fucking wrong, doesn't it? That was just like, <laughs> I was on my face, and Leon was coming up my ass. Fuck me. Fucking brain, mouth. Yeah, didn't engage that fucker, did I? Um, but yeah, that's the last time I raced having a fucking you pretty. Fucking so, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. So, I, like you say, that I don't want that to be the end. I want to, even if I yeah. fucking, even if I come last. I I get off the horse of my own volition rather than being spat off the fucker. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah it's um, I mean, that, and I'm I'm sure it's I've never been in the army, but I'm sure it's the army mentality as well that you know you want to come back from combat, you don't want to be sent home from combat as such. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, um, which corner of a track in the UK would you get rid of, and why? Um, wow. Can I only say one, or can I be you can, specific? You, you can, well, you can be as specific or as broad as you like. I might be one of the only people that that doesn't like the changes to Snetterton, but as far as I'm concerned, that track's been fucking ruined. Um, so how it used to be, where you come round Corham to, yeah. to the chicane, they pulled it back, didn't they, and made it yeah. tighter. So where Corham used to be, one of the best corners in the country, where you now where you used to be like absolutely on it and, and pushing yourself, you're now sitting up to break and it's it's destroyed it. So I would say change that back to how it used to be and and pull the track back so you could you could go through Corrin better. But then I don't like any of the infield stuff. Snetterton used to be again, it was a bit like Thruxton, it was its own thing, and it never made for bad racing. And so why why change it that you're going to turn two, I believe, and it and you've got the air pin. Yeah. Shite. Then turn three, where you go over the crest and where Shaky splattered himself, ain't too bad. But then you go down to another airpin, and then you go around to another fucking airpin. It's not, you know, Snetterton used to be so fast and flowing. You'd have them couple of chicanes, but you'd still be able to get on it down through the bomb all that. Yeah. So that, that yeah, those that. But mostly, mostly the 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 end of Coram going into this game. Yeah, yeah. Ru- okay. Ruin one of the best corners in the country. Mm. Okay, and that leads us on to our last question. If you had a superpower, what would it be? Uh, what would it be? Non superpower. Probably grow a pair of balls again and go back racing. <laughs> it's probably not balls. <laughs> I would is say it? to, you know, it, it is getting to that stage where even I've got to think, am I going to do it or am I not? And then once the decision's made, I might be able to live with myself a bit better, but every every day is a genuine a genuine struggle. That because you can't do what you thought you could, and again, yeah. it's I'm not trying to say that if I would have stayed in BSB, I'd have been top five and top six. That's not it. I I've always been the best that I can be, and I'm happy with that. And I yeah, can't yeah. do that anymore because because of what happened. So, yeah, the superpower would be to grow grow a pair of balls and actually do it, or be, or, or, be, or, or, or yeah. be unbreakable. Yes. I'm far from unbreakable. Fucking <laughs> oh, okay, hell! Have you tried? Have you, have you tried filling that void with another interest that's non-motorcycle related? Well, that's why I ended up with a kid because I, I decided to put all my efforts into to being with our lass, and then, pfft, oh well, <laughs> no, I can't really say that our lass is too posh and, and too lovely, and I do like her. But no, I that I suppose. As I say, for the last few years, I've tried with a couple of people to get this motorcycle stars idea going, and now, now I've got Emily and 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 Finlay that 
it's now really time to really push it. So yeah, I, I, I am putting my energies into that, but it just doesn't, I mean, it doesn't help that I've moved from somewhere that's 20 minutes from Alton Park. So we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I, th- I think, I don't, again, it's, it's like they're not wanting to do um, club racing back, way back when. I don't really see the point of me going doing a track day. Because I did, yeah. like I said, I did, did a couple last year. See, I massively enjoyed myself. I'm, pr- I'm more, probably more happy sat in the paddock helping people and, t- and helping them go faster and say, from my experience, I've I've tried this. Um, so, yeah, we'll... I guess we'll just see what happens in the future. Watch this space. Watch this space, yeah. What's your, what's, what's your thoughts on getting Finley into uh, into racing? Is it something you'd look to do or, or not thought about it? Well, he's, already got, he's already got two bikes. got two bikes. I promised, I promised his mother that he'd play golf. And because it's easy to earn a living out of golf, really, if, yeah, you, yeah. if you've... Certainly more easier than it is to in bike racing. Um, but so that's something that I've just taken up to try and fill the void. What golf? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll fucking wank at it. <laughs> you have to come up, I'll take yeah, we'll go up over here at some point. But yeah, um what you know that it's the kind of that thing where if you force something on your kids, they're mm. either gonna take it or not. But you more mm. than likely if you force it on them, they, they end up yeah. being asked. Yeah. So I'm trying to surround him with bikes at the minute. <laughs> So that when he gets to four, he goes, Daddy, I don't I don't like that. But yeah. with me and my luck, he's gonna go, I fucking love this. And I'll end up then being bankrupt again. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I was I was gonna ask you a similar sort of question. I was gonna say, like, most boys, like my son wants to follow me and do do everything that I've done. And I've no doubt that you, your son will be the same. Well, if he start if he takes up football, Rug- I'm gonna disown him. That's right. a fact. That was my question. Rugby or race motorbikes? Which one would it? Which one would you put everything into now, getting him to do? You see, then if if that really was his his choice, and he and he wanted to make it on his own, he'd make it on his own. But I was again. I'm not well. I am blowing my own trumpet, I suppose, and, and, and it's a vanity thing. But when I played rugby, it was too easy, genuinely. Mm. And anyone that's ever played rugby with me will, will tell you the same. I'd swear, I swear on my father's grave. This this is the truth. It was. I was too good and it was really too easy. And if I would have stayed at rugby without snapping my leg, it would have been a walkover. And now I'd be retired and living in the Bahamas somewhere with, with a good wage. What team would you want it to finish with? I'd, with rugby? I'd, well, yeah. I just wanted to go to Wigan. And, and uh, I mean, they did bring the wage price cap in when I was, when I, when I kind of turned pro. But genuinely, every single time you would have seen me on a pitch, doing whatever I did, I would not be enjoying it. Mm. It was a means to an end. And... I think this happens sometimes when you are that good at something, you're not asked about it. And I was never asked. So it's almost like a blessing in disguise that, that I had the, the the leg break that sent me towards bike racing where I was never going to be the best. So it made me try harder, if that makes any sense. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Not rugby, but honestly, it was easy. I just, and that was from the time at 14 years old when we started playing against grown men and I got whacked once and thought, fuck this, <clears throat> I'm not getting battered. So I danced around everyone and that's where my rugby skills come from was literally to avoid getting clattered. Oh. Um, and then learn how to tackle when I got when I got a bit older. So yeah, um, if he really wanted to play rugby and looking at the size of his hands he could, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't dissuade him from it, but I just, I've just got this feeling that I'm so... I really don't. I don't want him to to go racing and feel like he's on the mm. 
I mean, it, it, Valentino Rossi said it, didn't he? He's got a he's got a little girl, and he was happy with that because mm. the pressure on his little girl now is zero. Yeah. If he'd have had a little boy. Oh yeah, fucking hell! Said, can you imagine? All everyone would have said for the next twenty years: When's he going racing? When's he going racing? When's he going racing? Now I'm not putting myself in the same thing as as Valentino Rossi, but within my little community of of my friends, that the, that's all they're saying now. Yeah. yeah. Like, when's he going racing? When's he going racing? And I feel like it's something that that he doesn't need. So he, he either he either will or he won't, and I, and I'll back him either way. Um, but to be fair, golf is the future. He's my retirement fund. If he's fucking useless, <laughs> he'll get adopted. <laughs> <laughs> so we asked on our social media for uh, uh, listeners to post some questions up. Um, obviously, we've already said about the one about your height. Um, but Aaron... Six foot, six fucking <laughs> foot. <laughs> so Aaron's messaged me today and he, he wants to ask you, one BSB team, past or present, one UK circuit, and one tyre making compound. Which one are you going for? Right, uh, team Paul Bird, because I know Birdie, and for all the sticky gets, the people that don't know again about the fans from racing that don't know the insides and outs, the amount of people that guys actually help. I mean, it can be it can be a dick at times, but yeah, but I'd love to race for Birdie. Always. Mm. And I bought one of his bikes to race, so I know how good his, his, his title is. Um, circuit, Cadwell, would have to be. And tyres, Dunlop. Because I'm not affiliated to any tyre manufacturer, and like it or not, Pirelli's a fucking shit. They've got a little bit better over the last year or two because they've stole one of Dunlop's tyre technicians or, or whatever to make the front tyre a bit better. But, but I swear to God, like Tom... You're quick enough to to have felt this. If you would have been on a bike in in 06 and 07 when that massive tyre war was going on between Mitchell and Dunlop in, in BSB and as well at, at MotoGP, the shit they were throwing at us that was that they were coming out with, sorry, was incredible. It was fucking unbelievable. Um, Mitchell in, they were stealing the march with Keo because of the MotoGP bikes, etc. But yeah, the best tyres I've ever rode for front end feel at Dunlop's. By a mile, I think. Are you you run Michelin's now, don't you, Tom? Yeah, Michelin now. Yeah, yeah. They're yeah. they're they're a good tire, and it. But it, again, it it boils me that to a lot of people that again that don't know that BSB and stuff are even a controlled town. They go, well, I use Pirelli's because BSB guys do, and I'm like, ask a BSB guy what tire he wants to be on. It wouldn't. Yeah, be not Pirelli. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nah, fucking gash, mate. Gash. The club saying just seem to be shaped, don't they? They just follow whatever they whatever yeah. they say. Yeah. So they yeah. just follow it. I mean, yeah, Phil Phil Crowe from, from from Club Racing TT Superstar. You asked Phil about Pirelli's. He fucking hates them with a passion. And it's it's race. The longevity's not amazing, but the, it's just the feel. Now, if you've started on them and you don't know what a good tyre feels like, then fair enough. But wow, they just gash, man. I mean, because they, they're a controlled tyre in don't like the main championship for, for superbikes now at Worlds and British. The bikes are being adapted to them more, mm. so they are more usable. But it still doesn't make them a good tire. It, it genuinely doesn't. I mean, look at Petrucci last year, one of the only Ducatis in the world to run a Dunlop, and he was smashing it in, in AMA, which which is not most of America is not easy. Mm. The tracks are fucking terrifying, etc. And then he's come to world and and certainly not set the, t- the world of fire. And I guarantee Petrucci will have come in on his first time, and then Pirelli's are going, "What the fuck are these? Mm. Big gash." 
Complete, completely digressing, but have you seen the fucking footage from uh, the American club scene with the ambulance that comes onto the circuit? What? Yeah, 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 yeah. Holy fuck. What happened racing? to Mark Courts, yeah. isn't it? Nicky yeah. Courts' brother, older brother, in a, uh, I think it was Mandela in Ireland, that an ambulance come onto the track or, or a car, and he actually hit it, and that ended, and he was riding for Kenny Roberts at the time for the Marlborough Yamaha team. Fucking and that ended him. That yeah. ended him. Fucking hell, yeah. If you it's a miracle. Could you, could you imagine skating through all that grass and falling off and getting up at the end and thinking, actually, I'm all right. Ooh, the money I'm going to earn here. Yeah. In America, it, it, can you imagine the money he's going to yeah, fucking get? Yeah. Have you, not, have you not seen the clip, Tom? No. So they, they complete the opening lap, and as they're coming right out of the final corner to, uh, to start the second lap, one of those big fucking American ambulances just... It starts to come on the circuit, and then the driver is like, shall I go, shall I go, shall I And he just crawls out, smack bang into the centre of the start-finish line. Fucking you got you, the R1 that's leading, fucks off, just uh, glance, it, right, don't glance the bonnet, goes in front of the bonnet and just tumbles at fucking a vast rate of knots. Mm. And the guy that's in second tries to go behind the ambulance, uh, but he has, he has to jump ship, bounces down the fucking pit wall, and the bike uh, glances the back and takes a rear bumper off the ambulance. Ridiculous. And this is an AMA as well. This is yeah, not, yeah. Like, no, no, it won't. It won't AMA. Um, I don't think it was American, no, no. American version of club racing. Yeah, but even even so, like the the front of the club scene over here, they're what? No, yeah, you never get. They where they're what? Three, four seconds. Well, two or three seconds behind BSB times. Is having a, is having a piss <laughs> <laughs> in the back there. That's fucking mega. Yeah, we have a toilet and a wet room downstairs, kids. You know, uh, I live in Cheshire. I'm posh, mate. Fuck off. Just you peasants are sat in bedrooms and all that shit. You know, did did, did your dad never say put wood in all? Put wood in all. No. <laughs> you hear me? But there you go. All right. Um. Yeah, just I, I do not know whether. They'd obviously been allowed on track, be, and whether it was a club race for track day or a, a Motor America, it just shouldn't have seen, simply shouldn't have happened. Shouldn't and the kid was very yeah. lucky, but fucking hell, yeah. I mean, Mark Coates, like I say, he, he had exactly the same thing, but he hit the car in Ireland years ago, and it, that ended his career. And his little brother, Nicky Coates, did, has done quite well. Um, I, th- I think he just does track days now, but yeah, fucking insanity. That's where yeah. you've got to think, where club racing has become much closer to the way that BSB is run, it's a better thing. But then has it also taken away the spirit of club racing? That's that's one thing that because we, we'll, we'll be closing up soon. That, that's the question I'm going to put to you guys. Do you think that the spirit of club racing has changed slightly? That it's more, I wouldn't say corporate, but it's more, it's run more like, I mean, Claire, that's, that's at no limits. You know, she come from, from BSB. Is it, is it a little bit too like too much like BSB to have as much fun? Or because I'm coming back to to, to watch, is it is it better for I, it or worse for it? I I, uh, I think it's better for it, but it depends what you want. It's if you want to feel like you go into that BSB feel for your racing, then yeah, no limits. You do get that, yeah. You, that that's what you get at no limits. Mm. Um, whereas, like, I did a lot of racing at Darley Moor. And that that for me felt like um, I was stepping back in time to the days of when my dad was banging on about club racing, like somebody spannering by themselves at the back of a van type stuff, uh, people lending each other parts, and uh, you just 
racing what you brought type you've of thing. You've always had that to, to some degree. You've had like the, the lesser clubs and then you've had the the in-between, the, the one step lower than BSB. I mean, it was fun to sport yeah. for a while, wasn't it? And then I don't know, I, I feel like I, the low limits has almost overtook them a little bit now. I always wanted to go towards road racing though. So for me, I had more enjoyment at Darley. Hmm. Because I, I've never aspired to go that one, I'm too fucking old, it was never gonna happen. Um, so I'd never aspired to go down that BSB route. I, I just wanted to go road racing. Mm. Thing is, so, you can say the same for road racing at the moment as well. It's going all commercial and it's becoming a bit more like BSB and you can't have the crack so much. And it's, I think it's been doing that for years and even since I obviously I've got into it, but but I think yeah, that everything does that, does that not take us full circle back to the conversation we were having earlier though about the lack of money in the sport in the lens that the sport's having to go to to yeah. rake in the money. 100%. Yeah, I, I think that the the TT especially is it needs to and and I've and I've said this again on on previous co- po- podcasts that I've done that it it can accept the corporate side of things and mm. and it is a good thing for it. But it absolutely, and for people like Tom, so he's obviously already seen a change. It cannot t- take away from what the TT essentially is. The spirit of the TT. Yeah. It, it, yeah, the absolute spirit of the TT must remain the same or it's gone. And they're yeah. changing it incrementally by, by the year that it's getting that little bit worse and worse and worse. And if they don't kind of put a stop to, to that side of it, the, the job's fucked for them. And, it, and it's but- horrendous and horrible that, you know, the, the corporate world can live at the TT quite easily. It really yeah. can. But fucking please don't take away it's, what the TT is because the, the other man doesn't need the income that the TT brings. Yeah. As in the corporate side corporate side of things. It's managed before. It got really popular again in the last the last 10 years. It's become mm. an amazing spectacle, an amazing <laughs> feature. So please don't get fucking greedy and ruin it because we need kids... Like Tom out there, and and, and you know your privateers and, and teams bringing kids up at the last minute to come out there and ride things. Even like Forrest done on the, the classics mm. last year, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It needs to stay as that. And if yeah. it, and if it changes, and it's only about the the top ten, it's fucked. Yeah, that, it I, I, you can't run it as as twenty riders, no. can you? I I think the biggest risk to to racing in the Isle of Man is the Manx. It's the spirit of the Manx that we can't lose because. The Manx. Well, if they fucked that already, as far yeah. as I'm concerned, that's they need that needs pulling back in line, and someone needs to re, re that needs a full reset because the Manx who, is just a fuck fucking that uh, is that is a proper cock show at the no, moment. No newcomer who, race. Who 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 thought it was a good idea to take away the newcomers race? Just mm. fucking absolutely off the tits, as far as I'm yeah. concerned. Mm. Uh, it's it's yeah. It's because it's that not it's not that type of rider they're trying to attract anymore. The type of rider that would go to the newcomers race at the Manx, they're not trying to attract that type of rider. They're trying to attract your your Glen Irwins and whatever. But yeah. it's um, but it's it's like it's like <laughs> any, any business model. If you turn recruitment off, yeah. it's hard as fuck to turn it back on. Mm, not going to last. Uh, and there'll, there'll come a point where your natural attrition just you end up with fucking nobody. Yeah. In, t- in two thousand and eight at Alton Park, <clears throat> when I was with the Centre for Men team, Paul Phillips. Uh, and Milke made a point. They came to our garage, the Tenor for Men team, and come in and asked me if we wanted to do the TT and, and basically, basically said, we'll pay for this, we'll pay for this, we'll pay for this, we'll give you this, we'll give you that. Here's a DVD. Have a, have a DVD because it's that fucking long ago. Have a watch of it and see what you think. And I'd, I'd always really wanted to do it, but I'm that pussy that never did and I, for whatever circumstances. And, ne- and then 
I think about two years later, I went and found them at the uh, the bike show at the NEC. And because they didn't have this big thing behind me, they weren't fucking interested. And that's when I saw the beginning of the end for it. And it, it, it they need to get a grip of it. They they really do because it's yeah. it's just something that you can you know you can fly out or go on the boat or do, do whichever way you get there and spend a few days there. And it really gives you a feeling of what motorcycle racing is. Mm. So just do not corporatize it that much. And they and they can both live in a perfect harmony. Like yeah. the paddock and the corporate can can be can really can be separated. Just don't take it away from the kids that like Tom that are giving everything for it. Yeah, hundred percent. And fuck it, you know what I mean. Mm. So yeah. So you got your start. You got your start number this week, didn't you, Tom? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> well, yeah, where are you starting? Number forty-two. So yeah, a few a couple of years ago, I was twenty-four on the super sport. All looking good, and then yeah, things have just gone pants. I've Rode like an absolute wanker. Not Ed's not really been in it. Yeah, just really like slept on opportunities, really. And uh, that's look the at the weight. Thing. It's the weight yeah. of that massive baguette, isn't it? Look, oh, massive. Yeah, exactly. Mate, I'd, I'd just look at this as an opportunity. It's an opportunity to go over there with fuck all pressure. Exactly that. Not that it doesn't really mean anything because obviously I can qualify up to twenty one anyway. Um, all it means is I lose a little bit of practice because they stagger us in. in yeah. yeah. Where, they, where they send us out for practice? Um, I think it's the top twenty go, and then the then twenty to. 40 goes, so now I'm I'm going to be in that last group to go yeah, out. The, I'm not going to be riding group. with the faster riders, and yeah, uh, uh, it, it it don't matter. I'm still there. I'm still on iron. It's, it's not over. I'm, this year, but, I'm just doing doing it on my own bike. And uh, but you're going out when there's rubber on the circuit. Yeah, yeah, in a way, yeah, yeah. So yeah, the, all the birds will be scared away. So yeah. So I was I was just going to say then, as as an archetypal race fan, of God, Tom, just go out and enjoy yourself. But Ooh. you're going in Bray Hill. And you'll come to, is it, is it Quarter Bridge? The first, yeah, yeah. you'll get to there going, yeah, fuck it, I'm just going to enjoy myself. You'll get to there and you'll be like, fucking no. No, 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 no. no, no, no. <laughs> and then it's on, in it? And so then you, you can't enjoy yourself till, till the end of end, the end of the senior. So it's... Exactly that. You can't enjoy it. I think the pressure, the pressure's off because you've not, you know, you, you, like you've, you've, you've admitted to yourself, you've not performed. So I really would say just go and fuck it, go, just go and enjoy it. But, but you won't. Oh. You're all getting straight into it, but sometimes the difference between enjoying it and trying without any pressure is is always the best way. Mm. You might find yourself going up mountains, screaming your Mm. brains off, going, fucking yes! And and I'm coming over as well. There you go. Class. We'll have it then. Right, so I found uh, that picture that we were on about. Um, So... A guy called Matt Anthony that listens to he's, he's listened to us right from the first episode. He's, he's properly backing us. Um, he's put a picture up I today. Bet he's single. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he's put a picture on social media today of him doing a. All right, well, the front wheel's off the deck, so we will call it a wheelie. Uh, but he's put here it is photographic evidence. Yes, I once pulled a wheelie going over the mountain at Cadwell. And then he's put credit to the photographer. Unfortunately, I am got a clue who it is. So people are starting to put that instead of just fucking not bothering to put it. They put I don't know who the photographer is, but if you're there, just tag yourself. <laughs> so words clearly getting around, mate. So yeah, gents, this has been fucking mega. Um, and I've you know what? I think this is probably going to be our longest episode, but it feels like one of the shortest. It, uh, Howie, I can't thank you enough for coming on, and I wish you all the luck with motorcycle stars 
Um, and yeah, if you, um, for those of you that are listening, jump across onto Howie's social media pages. Uh, and if you want to enter the draw for the CBR 600, get on it. Um, cause then the sooner it's full, the sooner you can draw it. And hopefully we'll be one of how many is how many inches is it? 140? 135 on this one. Um, it's 40 quid a ticket. Um, this, uh, this podcast goes out on Friday, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm going to do kind of a relaunch thing on Friday night and then again on Sunday. So, so it's there on my social media pages, but please admit. Um, and again, genuinely, even if you don't want to buy for call or you don't want to have your bike fixed by me, if you have any questions, just get in touch. And if yeah. I can help, I will. And if I can point you in the direction, that's, that is genuinely as much as me trying to earn, uh, earn a crust is what motorcycle stars are set up for. It's, it's time for me to give back to the sport that give me everything. You know, yeah. the the highs, the lows, the losses, the fun, the, the, the everything. So, honestly, I will help you. What are you uh, coughing at? Uh, you can't uh, wait to have a wank, can you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> podcast, I've got the bedroom to myself for five minutes. Paul, what's going on? That dwarf's going to finger a cell and you're on it, Jamie boy. <laughs> so, yeah, so, even so, at this late stage of, the, of, of this, if, if you have listened to the end, Please add me on, on social media, on, on Facebook. I'll, I'll accept. We'll get this draw done, and hopefully it goes to someone that really wants to go racing. Thank you guys for, for having me on, even Jamie. Tom, fucking good luck this year, mate. So you go go yeah. on, enjoy it, and, and have the crack, kid. Um, Rich, stop being a fanny and get back on a bike. <laughs> I've got to get one um, first. Yeah, and I'll... Uh, I'll go now explain to my missus what kind of porn I actually like, Jamie. Thank you. <laughs> she knows. <laughs> Right. Um, one last question for you, Howie. Uh, yeah. For the for the sake of Ryan Garside, Spider Man or Batman? That's his perversion. That's nothing to do with me, cop. Um, uh, did but you did, got it? Did Jamie send? Sit. Did Jamie send you the fucking video as well? He sent me a video the other day of a midget Spider Man <laughs> shagging a midget <laughs> Batman. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> I found it. It's out there. Fuck, you know. You can see his arm tensing up already, ready yeah, to get him yeah. back on. Yeah. Yeah. Checking like a shitty dog there, kid. Go on. No, Batman. I'm a Batman. Oh, Ryan's going to be spinning. He is. He thinks he's spinning shout- away. He's, spinning he's, away. He's, he's shouting at the fucking... What, what is it he says he is? Uh, I can't uh, white man privilege. Uh, he goes, his only superpower is fucking white, uh, white privilege. <laughs> oh, here we go again. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, Howie, it's been fucking mega this. Thank you very much. Cheers, lads. Jamie, final word from you, mate. You want to close um, us out? Yeah, sure. Um, if you're hearing this message, you've listened to the entire podcast. And for that, we'd like to thank you from the bottom of our hearts. As listening to Howie for any longer than three minutes can be soul destroying. However, I love Where the Did you come, though? <laughs> <laughs> I love the guy, as I'm now 50 quid richer due to his subscription to my OnlyFans for my feet pics. We hope you enjoyed this new episode, and if you did, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please share this episode with others who may be interested in this topic, and also feel free to let us know what topics you'd like to see us cover in future episodes. Get in touch in the comments or on our social media networks. See you next week for a new episode. Cheers, guys. 